When the crowd gets loud, that's a pop. When the crowd goes insane, that's a monster pop. Hey everyone, I'm Twitch Badass Reclaim Joey. <laughs> also former <laughs> professional wrestler, flanked by my wonderful co-host, also Twitch Badass Brose Wood. Very funny, and together we are the Twitch World Tag Team Champions. And we have our manager, the Emperor of Destruction, Dr. Destruction, PhD, EOD, if you will, actual freaking doctor, right here today. How's everybody doing today? I'm I doing found great. Out that, yeah, I just found out Cos is a doctor, dude. Holy shit. Oh my god, he's a doctor. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Keep it kayfabe. Oh, fuck yeah, shit. God Real damn ass it. doctor. Oh my god. Oh, man. How much longer do you have to go on your PhD school? Um, I think a couple more years. But we're we're getting there. Oh, okay. How do you Years? fast track that? Can you like can you like, you know, work the work the gimmick a little bit and maybe they'll give it to you quicker? You like kind of work the system, you know? <laughs> uh you know, it's uh it's a lot of work. <laughs> to it's like do it naturally or work the gimmick. It's like, hey, uh, can I just get my PhD now? And uh, they're like, no, you got to wait a couple of years. <sighs> that doesn't work for me, brother. I don't like it. I don't like it. What a week of fucking professional wrestling. But before we get into that, we always have we have our reviews for you this week. And we also have a, lots of news to talk about. It was a freaking insane week. But first, let's talk about what we have coming up here on Monster Pop. Make sure you follow us on Twitter. Make sure you follow us on our social media. Check us out everywhere. Follow our Twitch. We still owe you a surprise. We know it. We're working on it. Working hard behind the scenes. Getting our Twitch stream going. We want to make it really good and really perfect for you. So make sure you are following. Go follow. Go do follow it. Follow that shit. Right on now. Link tree. Right, right now. now. Beat the shit out of it. Punch the like button. Wait, that's not this platform. Sorry. Beat the shit out of it like a baby face beats a heel in the end. Okay? All Aww, right. That's yeah. So cute. How are you guys doing? What do you guys got going on? Dude, I'm I'm tired, man. I'm just I'm just beat. This week beat my ass. I'm not going to lie to you. But you know what? We're here. We're, we watched some really good wrestling. And, you know, I'm I'm alive. That's, that's what's important. Yeah, I mean, you? it was kind of a... Uh rough week as well but uh it's the start of my spring break at least you know a few weeks earlier than uh joey janela's but that's just be how it is sometimes true 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 it's still I'm winter e technically i'm excited about those wrestlemania shows we got guys we're gonna be doing a lot of coverage for wrestlemania weekend it's gonna be insane i think we're going to be releasing multiple episodes uh for that week there's gonna be specials there's gonna be, there's so much to get to, to check out um uh, i'll i will be attending several of the shows live because they are happening here in dallas we've already got our tickets we're going to be checking out the gcw shows we're going to be going to supercard of honor and i'm really excited to be going to supercard of honor because man there was some crazy roh news massive roh news and it's very exciting because i grew up not grew up but uh ring of honor is the reason why i got into um wrestling in the way that i did it's the thing that made me realize hey i maybe i can be a pro wrestler and we'll get to that uh when the time comes but yeah i'm excited about going to those weekend shows i think it's going to be really cool and we'll be able to bring you um 
like man on the ground coverage of these shows. Our Dallas correspondent. Live, Dallas correspondent, Reclaim Joey, bringing you all the stuff from the from as the man on the street. Uh, I'll <laughs> man be on po- the street. I'll be posting videos and pictures and stuff on our Ooh. social media. Yes. Straight from the shows. We're going to be very close. We've got good seats and it's going to be awesome. I'm pretty sure we got floor seats to Ring of Honor. We've got some really good seats at, at GCW. And if you heard our GCW co- coverage in the past, you know they fucking destroy the front rows. And we're going to be right there. It's a so lot of fun. If you want to see so. Joey wipe out, <laughs> I won't wipe out. I got, bro, brother. Brother, I see that shit coming and I move and I'll get the best shots. So make sure you follow our social media once again so you can see all that cool stuff. I'm excited about WrestleMania weekend. We've got so much stuff to cover. Yeah, I'm so excited for WrestleMania itself, dude. I'm so excited to watch the WWE product after we watched 20 minutes of SmackDown and wanted to gouge our eyes out. I'm so excited for that, dude. I'm so excited for eight hours of WrestleMania. What's even yeah. worse is this was like, and it's not a go home show, obviously, but it was a lot of just introducing the f- main feuds, or maybe not the main feuds, but some of the feuds. And good God, did we like come away less excited than ever with zero gusto? Settle. Zero. So Settle let, let me tell you guys what happened here. So I, you know, our time zones get mixed up sometimes, and I'm typing, and I'm telling the guys, hey, this is when we're gonna start watching and stuff like that. <clears throat> well, I accidentally said that we were going to start an hour early thinking about my time and stuff like that or their time. I don't remember. I I don't remember how it got messed up, but the guys you were thought we there. were an hour behind instead of an hour ahead. Yeah, I don't yeah. know what I was thinking. I was tired. I don't know. Maybe I just busted or something. Who knows? And so uh, the, these guys were like waiting for me. Y'all were waiting for me. And I was like, um, I was like, oh shit, like, oh my God. And I realized what happened and I'm late to our to, to us watching stuff. Like we we get together and we watch stuff to 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 cover it on the show. And so we ended up starting early. I was like, fuck it, we can start early. Everybody's here. Let's just start. So we watched some stuff and then we had an hour before Rampage. So what we did was we turned on a little SmackDown. We watched a little bit of WWE and oh my God, what what a mistake. Yeah. <laughs> Big mistake. We're not going to review the show, but man, like, we wanted to see Ricochet win the Intercontinental Championship, and like, Ricochet's amazing, but holy shit, like, it was so... So Sami Zayn. Yeah, so Sami Zayn, they're both amazing, like, that's a dream match on paper, but it was so formulaic, and it just highlights why WWE is so hard to watch the it's overproduced it's like they got all the crazy camera zooms the the stuff looks too good in a way if that makes sense but then like the style of it looks disgusting it's truly the mcdonald's of pro wrestling and uh and then and then the commentators don't even know what a poison rana is dude like it's a uh what? uh what uh hurricane rana a hurricane slam bomb hurricane yeah, rana bomb they called the they, they call the hurricane rana like a snap hurricane rana <clears throat> A fucking hurricane run a bomb. And they even sounded unsure. They're like, is that like a... Yeah, he he said it. Yeah, it was the finish. It was the finish (laughs) that Ricochet won the Intercontinental Championship with. And the commentator was like, what do we call that? Like some kind of a hurricane run a bomb? Oh my God. Like, dude. Matt McAfee's a dumbass, bro. That shit sucks. (laughs) He sucks. That's just some of the worst commentary. Honestly, modern commentary in general is pretty bad. If your name is not Mauro Ranallo, honestly. Mm, Yeah. Yeah. 
He's sorely missed. Sorely well, also, missed. I, I did want to say add like one extra thing to that match is like it was a title match, but all it was was to set up an angle for the loser of that match and Johnny Knoxville. <laughs> oh no! Oh my, oh my god, dude! He came out with a shirt that said "Intercontinental Chump" on it. Like, oh my! Well, like, it's just way to like yeah. bury the title. Like, how? Like, how do you not know how to use fucking jackass dudes? Like how do you like how do you not have them taking the sickest bumps you've ever seen in your life? That's all they do. That's their whole well, gimmick. Well, nowadays it's just showing dick, but like, it's all they do is fucking do crazy, dangerous stunts. And well, I was gonna say the correct way to use them is to not use them at all. Well, that too. But like, if you got, but if you gotta, you gotta do this cross promotion. They're paying you a lot of money or something like that. I don't know how it works for them for this uh, particular situation, but like. That's all you gotta do is make him do something insane every time he's out there. That's it. That's it. It's that simple. And what honestly boggles my mind is the fact that there's no like, like uh, there's still a little bit of time, but there's no there's no like announcement for like a giant multi man ladder match for the Intercontinental Championship, bro. Like, look who Are they gonna Ricochet holds. I hope so. Like Ricochet is holding it, and I know like Sammy's doing the whole Knoxville thing, but like Sammy's a great guy in a in a in a ladder match, bro. Like he's had some classics, so it's like, it's like, it's weird that it's not a thing yet. <laughs> yeah, that's what I want. You guys, yeah, I agree. You guys are gonna see it. Or we're gonna have to like suffer through this, and we're gonna suffer. <laughs> we're gonna bleed for two for, nights. We're gonna bleed two for our, nights. Yeah, we're gonna bleed for you. We're gonna bleed for our sins. We're gonna watch WrestleMania and release a special episode of the podcast that's just WrestleMania. We're gonna bleed for you. So and it's re- it's really gonna lean on the special label, if you know what I'm saying. I hope Can you we? know that we love you, and this is gonna be really hard for us. And I don't Can even we know how we're gonna make it, dude. Because I don't want to watch pre-show. That's you. That's a uh, extra I think they've gotten hours. rid of them. Did they? Okay, thank God. They ha- they like now they just have like this like round table where you have like um occasionally like Booker T and some people just like make weird remarks and like bury half the roster. I think that's like all the pre shows are now there. Yeah, I'm not watching that shit. <laughs> yeah, no. it's it's really yeah, it's real cringe. They like sit around yeah, they sit around the table. Sometimes they're funny because they get weird, but like not worth watching. No, not at yeah, all. No, no yeah. pre shows. But usually it's like weird in like kind of racist ways. Like I know there was like a, a something where like. Jerry Lawler like implied that Booker T was like this poor bum. Oh my god! And it was like clearly god. done in like this. Me. It was clearly done in this kind of like oh because he's you know black. Of course he's you know poor. Me. And I was like oh nice. Jesus Christ! So gross. Uh, and then it's it's uh and then you just have to the worst part about it all even more than the racism is the awful song that they always pick for these pay per views. You have to hear it over and over <laughs> during the pre show because they constantly push the matches I'm practically on loop. Oh. Yeah, it's yeah, it's like whatever. I don't know what the song is this year, and I'm it's sure it's a flow rider song, dude. It, it, it's it, always it's, a flow yeah. rider song. It's always like, it's the big event, it's the big event. Check out the big event. <laughs> like it's it's so. Oh my god, it's always the same like kind of fucking like feel good, like uh, mom at the gym kind of fucking uh, like music they play over the thing. I don't know. But yeah, uh, we suffered through that. We suffered through twenty minutes of twenty of, minutes uh, of SmackDown, and then uh, we watched something. Didn't we watch something else on like during SmackDown time? I don't remember. We watched something else. We we switched. A different segment. Yeah, we switched. I mean, we watched. Yeah, we switched. We watched. Oh, the Corbin, the, the Corbin segment. Oh yeah. Oh my god, and that was so bad too. Oh my god. So Baron so Corbin, cringe. Baron Corbin sitting in there with like a straw hat. 
and he's got that Mad Cat Moss guy with him, and they got a bunch of extras, and the extras just look really weird. They're overacting, and they're watching shit on the screen. It's it's so bad. And well, what's ins- what's insane to me is like the ratio of like just stuff to wrestling is so like skewed on these shows like i feel like we spent like forever with just them like laughing around backstage but then like drew mcintyre's match that they were supposedly watching was like two minutes yeah that's really (laughs) yeah you're right we watched way more of their reaction watching the match (laughs) and and, like before the match and stuff like that because he came out while they were watching and stuff and then uh, and then the, the intercontinental championship match was short as hell too it was yeah, super it short. All. Yeah. It was just like, there's there's just no emphasis on pro wrestling in there. And like, I love like an entertainment aspect sometimes or, you know, and like, I love angles. We're going to talk but about it needs some to be really entertaining. Yeah. We, we're going to talk about some segments that are like non-wrestling segments, but that's what makes pro wrestling. Pro wrestling is not a sport. It's a vehicle to tell stories. It's a, it's, it facades itself. It presents itself as a sport as a legitimate sport and in order to tell stories it's art so like the stuff that's outside of the wrestling and stuff like that that's part of pro wrestling and that's good shit but when it's but when it, once you're in the ring you have to like you ha- that's the payoff right the wrestling part is the payoff because you're telling those stories and you're having the payoff it's the big fight at the end of the movie right or during the movie anytime during the movie and when you don't care about it when your product doesn't care about it that it's that's what makes your product suffer you have really like if a one thing if like the outside stuff was really good and the wrestling was not good or vice versa but man like all of it's just so bad there's just no payoff when you watch wwe none at all for me at least the payoff is turning the channel yeah payoff is yeah like i mean there you go (laughs) (laughs) imagine like watching a batman watching the batman movie and then like i don't even i don't don't even i can't even come up with anything for that i'm just i don't know i don't know there's like nothing like this (laughs) it was it was was, (laughs) yeah yeah it just it wasn't it wasn't enjoyable at all like i i love i love ricochet and i love i really really like Sami Zayn a lot and the fact that like they they just don't get to showcase what they can really do, and it's it's sad. And then Johnny Knoxville comes out, and yeah, it's stupid. And like, there's some extent where you like want to save like you know their full potential for pay per views, but you don't get it there either in this company. So yeah, True yeah, you really don't. Dad. You really don't. It's so weird. It's so weird how they've just completely lost what they're trying to do. And I heard so, there was some controversy about Madison Square Garden too. Like they're, oh yeah, apparently oh my uh, God. they advertised like a mystery opponent for Brock Lesnar, and it was like just Austin Theory. I do what? like Austin Theory, but he's not there yet. He's not know? over like in any he's real not, meaningful capacity. He's not over yet. Yeah, and like, um, yeah, that's insane. And like, people pay a lot of money for those Madison Square Garden tickets, a lot oh, yeah. of money. So I mean, I guess I understand on one hand that maybe they want to shine um austin theory and like have him be presented in a main event light but in that situation like you need well to- and it was a squash anyways it was a squat and there you go like so what's the point like what is the point you arguably did more damage to him than any good because now like he was in this big high profile spot and everyone just saw him you know 
become a total geek. So who like, why would you care about him at that point? Yeah. So I don't know. I don't know what they're doing over there. I just really don't. I can't figure it out. I just can't figure out what their thought process is and how they can't use people. Right. And they release good people and just bad. Probably. Ugh. Probably the thing we were most entertained by was the uh, clip from the, uh, um, the Pat McAfee interview when like Vince t- like gives him his match and he's just like marking out and like you can just see the look on Vince's eyes. Yeah, oh my God. Vince looked like just... he wanted to be anywhere else but there. <laughs> yeah, he did. With that said, I saw I saw I was like, okay, you know maybe you know it's a rare Vince McMahon interview, right? So mm-hmm. I was like, I'll check it out. I'll start watching it, and it was so like. You could tell that all the questions were like pre-screened mm-hmm. and he wouldn't ask any like interesting questions. He was just sucking Vince McMahon's dick the entire fucking time. And I made it like 10 minutes and I just shut it off. I couldn't do it. I mean, it. when you're calling the, the guy you're interviewing boss because he is your boss, yeah. you kind of know what to expect. <laughs> but he's asking questions that like maybe we've all known, like we've all known like our entire lives or something. And he's asking like, he's asking nothing interesting He's getting nothing. You're getting nothing. It, it was it was so like maybe it got better later in the interview, but I doubt it. And it was just it felt like he was just sucking Vince McMahon's dick, and that's all he was doing. Just didn't ha- didn't have any clue. He was asking about like starting the business and stuff like that, and he didn't have any clue <laughs> about like how the territory days worked or anything. I had no fucking knowledge of like where wrestling came from. And then Vince was like, "How did you end up doing that? How did you end up doing that?" And Vince was like, "Well, you know." you don't want anybody to own you and you want to keep your creative freedom and it's wrong for people to own you and things like that. I was like, isn't that exactly what you fucking do to your wrestlers? You piece of fucking shit. Like 100%. That, I heard that and it fucking made me mad. It legitimately upset me because of the way he fucking said that. Like he said that that's his belief, but then he expects all his fucking wrestlers to give it, give it up. He goes, you don't want anybody to own you. You want to be the one that owns yourself. Like this motherfucker trademarks everybody's name this motherfucker changes people's names so they if they don't want to trademark their indie name like fuck you vince mcmahon you piece of fucking shit i'm sorry i go on these rants sometimes but he's also like in that interview i don't know how far you went listen to but there was uh, he called like the roster he released dead weight like all oh, this yeah. stuff, just like burying oh. the people that has worked for him. Yeah, he 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 says all this shit about himself, but then he expects everybody to do the same. And like, yeah, calling him dead weight. What the fuck is he talking about? And then we're gonna we're gonna talk about some of these people he released today and how incredible they were and how great of a job they've been doing and um, all this potential that they missed out because this guy is just a fucking like vampire. He sucks and not the good kind of vampire, <laughs> not the cool kind. I have a feeling we'll be seeing more of the cool kind from you soon. Oh, yeah. You sure will. <laughs> Keep an eye out for that. Hell, yeah. A little bit of parallel uh, promotion there. <laughs> um, so let's move on a little bit. We've got some news to talk about. And we've got some stuff coming up. We did uh, We did watch the, New Jap- the first night of the New Japan Cup. Um, I know that they're putting a lot of stuff together. Like Their booking is very kind of long-term. And a lot of the matches were not super great, but they weren't bad. They were just kind of there. And they're all kind of serving the purpose to set up matches for later in the tournament. Uh, So we're not going to spend a whole lot of time reviewing the actual show. But we do want to talk about the bracket a little bit because there's some really cool, exciting stuff coming up. Because we haven't gotten to talk about the bracket. 
Yeah, so they've got a whopping 48 participants in this tournament. Whew. And it's a, a mix. Yeah, it's a mix between some like uh, normal heavyweights that would traditionally be in this tournament, a few juniors. And I think that's really cool because you're going to get some matchups that you uh, otherwise wouldn't see under their normal booking, at least in single matches. Like, obviously, like, you know, the big multi-man ones, you know, some people have to be there. Um, there's also, like, the way it's set up, there's a lot of people that just got buys and stuff like that. Mixed-ish feelings about that, but whatever. Um, I think the highlights are probably that, like, you're going to get people like El Phantasmo in the second round. Um, and I guess, you know, spoilers, uh, it'll be against Will Ospreay. Um that should be really exciting. Uh, there is. I've see always seen. Think. I've always seen El Fantasmo, like especially when they had matches in the junior division. I always saw El Fantasmo as like the anti Will Osprey, like he's like the dark version of Will Osprey, <laughs> and like I always I think that that their fucking match is gonna be killer. But Osprey's a heel now, so what are you gonna? <laughs> yeah. Well, the, the you're, that's true. But the the exciting thing about New Japan Cup. It, or, the, or this year is that they're mixing in everybody. So normally New Japan has people that are they have like divisions in their in their um, they have divisions. So they have the junior heavyweight division, and then they have the heavyweight division. They have their tag team divisions, and, and they always keep them separate. Well, this year they're putting everybody in the tournament. That's why there's so many. There's gonna have there's juniors, there's old school guys, there's the young lions, the guys that are kind of coming up, the rookies. And there's heavyweights, and that's that's why it's going to be so exciting. I do think that night two looks w- looks way more exciting than night one was. Not to say that night or uh, that uh, that side of the bracket was is going to be bad going forward, but man, dude, Shingo Takagi versus Tomohiro Ishii might could end up mm, being yeah. the best match of the entire show, or the entire freaking tournament. So that's on night two, which we did not watch yet. So oh, we'll yeah. talk about that next week. Yeah, and I, I will say I don't necessarily like some of the old school guys that they have in there. Like I don't, I don't necessarily know why we need like Togo versus yeah. <laughs> Go. Well, Tenzan was uh he um I think he's injured, so he f- essentially forfeited. So we won't be getting the t- the Tenzan match. Oh, um, okay. Yeah, but you have like Dick Togo and like Gato. Like I don't necessarily know that I need to like see those matches, but. It is what it is. Um, as far as Night One was concerned, I think really the only... Uh, I mean, the Tai Chi versus Toriano match was kind of funny. Um, the commentary was uh, kind of going in for business with themselves on the uh, res- uh, Toriano will, uh, wrestling himself out of a what, blue canvas bag or whatever. And, like, obviously yeah. it's, you know, you can't wrestle himself out of a paper bag. And the commentary was way too into their own joke on that one. Yeah, it was not the, the commentary in New Japan's not been good. The commentary no anywhere hasn't been great. Even our favorite AEW, like it's it has not been good anywhere. There's, nobody has that old school style anymore. I, I really kind of want to bury them for the the um the Naito uh Yujiro match where uh because like Yujiro's part of the House of Torture and like commentary doesn't like House of Torture because it's you know like this heel faction when they don't like it. And fair enough, right? But the thing is, like, you compare that to, like, back in the day with, like, JR and Triple H, where it's very much, like, he doesn't like Triple H because he cheats and he's an evil, despicable human being. But the way they talk about, like, evil and the other people in House of Torture, it's just, like, another dark chapter has fallen on New Japan. And just, like, it buries it. Like, it makes it seem like it's not that these guys are bad and that's why we don't want them to win. It's that they're, like, bad at their job. 
Mm-hmm. Like they're bad wrestlers and we don't like <laughs> seeing them on TV. And it's like, it just makes you like wonder like, well, why the hell am I watching this? Yeah. I think like what they're trying to go for is like, you. they're trying to go for like a bigger picture thing. And I don't think it's working where it's like, if the, if the heels are triumphant, it brings like, it, it's like when you're telling a story, like in, in anything, right? Like it, it, the, the area goes through bad times and you want to see the hero of light, like do something to, to, to change things, like to bring back the kingdom to the light or whatever. That's kind of what they're going for, but it just does not come across that way. And I don't yeah, know, if, especially on American commentary, it's not going to like, it's not going to come off that way at all. I, I think the, I the one match, uh, which we'll probably have a little more talk about, uh, Okada vs. El Desperado, that was really good. Yeah, the, the main event was awesome. Uh, what did you think about it, Rosé? I don't really... So, New Japan is not my area of expertise. I mm-hmm. think we've all established that. Um, but, yeah, the Okada and Desperado match was really good. Um, I think Desperado's got really cool facials, even though, you know, he has the, the mask and everything. But, like, the way that he uses his mouth and his eyes, I think it looks... Uh, he looks really cool. Um, and well, then Okada's cool that he's Okada. got, like, the face paint and, like, the mask just looks really cool, too. That yeah, so, so like, even, like, at the end of the match where he's, like, worn out and everything and the... the the paints running and it's just it was really cool visuals throughout the entire uh in, in the entire match um i thought it was uh i i i don't know it was just it was a long show i think and i was just kind of like uh yeah it was <laughs> but, long yeah but it's it's just because i'm not really used to the wrestling like like this this style of wrestling and and i don't really know these people all these wrestlers all that well but i still i enjoyed uh uh, most of the matches, none of them were really like too yeah bad. They were they were all solid matches. There just wasn't anything that like super stuck out to me, you know. But the Okada and, and Desperado match was really good. Yeah, one thing that we kind of uh, talked a little bit about during the match that I thought was kind of funny is like, so this is a champion versus champion match, right? Like Aldis Desperado's yeah. the junior heavyweight champion, Okada's the heavyweight, and like they don't really look like they're from two different divisions. <laughs> they don't. I think I think Joey said it that that uh, Desperado actually looks kind of like more toned and like bigger than than yeah, Okada he did. does because yeah because Okada's like he's like he's like the everyman he looks pretty he looks pretty normal like he's obviously in really good shape but he looks normal you know yeah he does and I I I just I I don't like divisions like I like that there's like a separate division for like some faster paced matches and things like that like the junior division but I also like the way that like Impact does it where they have an X division and it's about no limits. And if you can work that style, you can go for that championship. Like they've had Bobby Lashley and Samoa Joe win the X division championship. And I always thought that that's where they fucked up in WWE too. Like, cause you got guys that can do cool moves, but everybody works that style now. So you have like Seth Rollins that can do that style, but he's, he's a heavyweight guy. So they like pigeonholed it as 205 live and they've pigeon the new japan pigeonholes the junior champ uh heavyweight championship but it, it serves them because they can do like more tournaments and stuff like that but i think that you could mix up the roster really well and have like really cool matches that you never seen before i didn't think you would ever see like just really cool dynamics if you just like drop the limit drop the weight limit who cares nobody cares i don't think anybody cares does anybody care do y'all care i don't care no. like I want to see Desperado versus Okada. I want to see El Phantasma versus Okada, or, or uh, I want to see Jeff Cobb versus, you know, um, uh, 
Hiromu Takahashi, you know? Yeah, like him versus like a smaller guy, it'd be fun. Oh, it'd be so fucking fun to watch. It'd be great. I want to see, you know, I want to see a guy like uh, like Yo, you know, go against like Bad Luck Fale and fight from fight from underneath and stuff like that. I want to see that stuff. And I just don't think that they should pigeonhole it. But I know there's like a lot of like really strict traditions and stuff like that in Japan as well. But as far as the New Japan Cup goes, it is exciting. I am looking forward to it. If you're if you want to check out New Japan, this might not be the show to start with. Like maybe start with like the second round of these of this tournament because this was not their best showing. But I this was all set up. And like I've said before, New Japan does their storytelling in the ring. So their setup is in a bunch of promos and backstage segments. Their setup is like chill matches. <laughs> it wasn't good. It wasn't bad. It just was kind some of forgettable. Setup. Yeah, kind of forgettable. Yeah, agreed. So should we move on to Dynamite? Yeah. All right. So Dynamite uh, three, uh, March second, twenty twenty two. This the, the kind of theme for AEW this week was just a lot of things that were like best ever sort of thing. Like when we came out of this show and Rampage, both were like, "Oh wow, this is like one of the best go home shows ever." And we'll get into like the pay per view, of course, and the and the pre show. But uh, Dynamite was really good. It starts off with um, Tony Khan making a big announcement. Uh, yeah, we had a uh, the the huge announcement was Tony Khan. Uh, announcing that he owns Ring of Honor. And if you're new to wrestling, you might not know how big of a deal this is. This is a massive deal. Ring of Honor was the top indie for, fuck, how long? 20 years? It was around for 20 years, I would say, yeah. like if we discount the past like three or four. Yeah, it hasn't been the top indie most recently, but it was still a thing. You know, they it was a big deal when they got it was ECW after ECW. They got their it was a big deal when they got their pay per view deal, when not everybody could just be on iPay per view like they are now. It was a big deal when they got on TV. It was it was a big deal, and it's um some of the best wrestling I've ever seen in my entire life is Ring of Honor, like two thousand five to two thousand eight era. Like those are maybe even earlier, maybe two thousand four. That that stuff is just so good, and it produced so many of the top stars this uh, that we have now. You know, like CM Punk and Brian Danielson and all these guys. You know, Cesaro and just it produced so many great wrestlers. Samoa Joe. I could I could go on all day. I think of Rock- their the AEW presser. They said like forty of their wrestlers or so. Yeah, yeah like, really yeah, neither start there. On the roster, yeah. It's a lot. And it was it was the renaissance like Ring of Honor was the renaissance of the uh the modern day type of wrestler, the modern day like great wrestlers. Like it was the renaissance of it and that's where they all came from. That's where they all cut their teeth and um I love that stuff. I fucking I love that he bought Ring of Honor and you don't feel a sense of dread. I don't know what they're going to do with it. I don't know if they're going to like shut it down and just like honor it but they have the they have the library they have um all the intellectual properties of ring of honor they have all of it so from what i heard um based on the stuff talked about in the uh, press scrum uh, the media scrum after the revolution pay-per-view uh, when they asked tony about this it sounds like it may end up being a type of developmental thing for AEW, or like a mix of that and like more um more of their like actual guys who like just fit the roster really well but it sounds like tony khan does want to keep it around because obviously there's sort of that concern right that like 
like economically it might not necessarily make a ton of sense to keep it alive as a separate brand i could see it maybe being rebranded as like an all elite ring of honor or something like that so that you keep the more uh profitable name attached to it right mm-hmm. but uh it sounds like and this is you know, tony khan's definitely like you know say what you will about him i, I know some people aren't as big of a fan as others but i think he's someone who just really respects the history of wrestling more generally not just in his own promotions and whatnot i think that's why like him having it is good because if it was bought by anyone else you would just see it fade into obscurity you would probably see the tape library posted on you know peacock or what wherever uh, depending <laughs> on who bought it but yeah yeah i mean you it would probably trickle out too like wwe bought evolve and there's only like a handful of shows on the uh on the wwe network or whatever the fuck or peacock or whatever the fuck it is mm-hmm. and um Man, they have like a huge library, especially of a lot of people that they had. Well, I guess they had. I guess some of them they still have. They still have, yeah. Yeah, and those Evolve shows were really good. I, I, I think that Evolve was really underrated during its time. It felt more like old school Ring of Honor than like newer school Ring of Honor did. But, <laughs> um, but yeah, it's a, it's a really, really big deal. Believe me when I say it's a really big deal that Tony Khan bought Ring of Honor. And thank God Vince McMahon didn't get Ring of Honor. We well, I was going so loud when the announcement was. Yeah, <laughs> we were we were all we, yeah we we have these watch parties and we we watch wrestling for so we can cover everything and um man yeah we were screaming and jumping so out of our chairs screaming. and coming and all sorts of shit <laughs> like <laughs> we were just really excited and I and uh, you can tell that that Tony has a lot of respect for Ring of Honor because he inter- he they had a showcase match j- right after. And he brought out Christopher Daniels and Brian Danielson to have a match. And it was uh, just an absolute cold match. Just, just, yeah, the no build. Out. No build, nothing. Just the fact that they bought Ring of Honor. And this, what's special about it is Brian Danielson and Christopher Daniels are, were two participants in the very, very first ever Ring of Honor uh, main event 20 years ago. And man, this match was killer. Well, and they also started with the Code of Honor, too. You know, yeah. the handshake at the start of the match, which was this big uh, part of the ROH brand for a while. Well, forever. I mean, to this day. They shake hands before and after every match because they wanted it to be like a sports-based presentation. They wanted it to seem like competition, but they also use that as a vehicle to um, to tell stories and stuff like that. And it's funny because Christopher Daniels was like the one guy in Ring of Honor that wouldn't shake anybody's hand. <laughs> and uh, uh, that that storyline went on for years and stuff. It was pretty good, but yeah. What did you think of this match, Brose? Oh, it was it was a love letter to old Ring of Honor. That's definitely what it was. Um, I think Christopher Daniels is so impressive. The fact that he's fifty one years old and still doing everything that he did when he was you know twenty five. Um, he's he's. And he does it with one eye. Like, what? Yeah, his this, eyes fucked. <laughs> it is. I mean, I think he can fucked. still see from it. I think I've heard that it's like medically fine. It just looks messed up because it's it all looks red. brutal. <laughs> I wonder if that will ever go away. It looks crazy, dude. I swear, I thought I thought it was a contact man. I had I had no idea that he actually like hurt himself and everything. Straight up, like, it looks fucking cool. Like, <laughs> it looks really cool. He looks like a fucking <laughs> super villain, dude. Yeah, he looks awesome. He, and, uh, and he came out, you know, all all fallen angeled out, dude. Old gear, everything, and uh, dude, he they tore it down. And Daniel Bryan's, uh, I mean, Daniel Bryan, can you imagine? Bryan Danielson's <laughs> an asshole. 
for just absolutely just decimating him afterwards. Um, yeah, it was, it was the old wrestling fan to me is just like, wow, they actually did that. And now that Ring of Honor is, I, I think they're definitely going with like some sort of developmental territory, but like still it's going to be, it's going to be cool to have that branding and everything on the, uh, on the, uh, AEW product. For yeah. sure. And let's talk a little bit about the match finish. Uh, you get a, um, they're both like in the top rope corner and, uh, Brian, uh, not Brian Danielson. Christopher Daniels goes for a hurricane run on Brian Danielson, and Brian Danielson just like shoves him like when he's like on like at like the top point of it, and he just like falls down. Um, then uh, Danielson, uh, Daniels knocks uh, Brian down, and then goes for the best moonsault ever, but he gets caught into the triangle sleeper, and you know Danielson does his you know beating down of him, uh, and gets him to uh, he doesn't tap. I think he uh, passes out, uh, and a- then world-class finish like yeah it was fantastic when you have like it's you can tell how much these people care about what they do because they pull out a crazy they knew this match was special because it's it will, will, this, this match will go down in history and everybody will talk about it for years to come because it was special people will talk about it the way they talk about sting and rick flair you know um it was very much that vibe yeah being yeah being the last match in wcw you know and uh that it's it, it very it very much had that vibe and it's it's a big fucking deal and when he went for that when Christopher Daniels went for the Hurricane Runner off the top rope and Brian Danielson pushed him off oh my god just swatted him off that <laughs> was so rad that was such a sick spot and yeah the match was just it was so killer like go out of your way to watch this match it was beautiful it was emotional and then they it was seamless the way they moved right back into their AEW storylines from it. Yeah, and I am like real quick with that. It was nice to have where you've had these weeks and weeks of Ryan Danielson fighting these more rookie-ish guys. You know, they they have you know I wouldn't say like Lee Moriarty and uh, Daniel Garcia are green, but they're they're not you know long-term veterans. But like Christopher Daniels is, and it's so different seeing him in a match where it's just two of like the best ever just going at it, and it was really good in that regard. Uh, but speaking of going into the story, uh, Danielson gets a mic and says, you know, like oh, you know. If this was our, you know, he said, you know, Christopher Daniels is really good, but this is an ROH, so he doesn't need to be sporadly after it and just starts kicking him while he's down, you know, kicking his head in that whole spot, and then calls out Moxley to tease up their uh, uh, pay-per-view match. They both cut pro on each other. It was really good stuff. Yeah, it was awesome. Uh, I, I think, um, I think that like, uh, I, I'm, I'm excited. I mean, I think that we're gonna have a really good time at Supercard of Honor. So. Our, our buddy Davey he uh he was like as soon as that announcement went up yeah. he like scrambled to get on his phone to buy tickets <laughs> to Supercard of Honor in Dallas <laughs> so I'm excited Supercard of Honor is um is is a staple show for Ring of Honor and and uh they've had some pretty cool stuff on there I, I urge people to go check out there's a there's a six man tag where Ring of Honor showcased Dragon Gate Pro Wrestling on their show, and they have just the most fucking insane match. And it holds up. I've watched it somewhat recently. And it's on YouTube for free, I think on Ring of Honor's YouTube channel. And it's just like neck break speed, like eye-popping action that the likes of which I haven't seen since. I mean, I'm sure it happens in Dragon Gate itself, but it's hard to watch Dragon Gate. And, uh, but... This showcase was the first time I'd ever seen anything like that. And just, it was so wild. And then the commentary was perfect. And Dave Prezak, he's the man. And 
he was like he was like this match is crazy the action speaks for itself so he just shut the fuck up and then literally the the footage like the when you're watching the match it's just completely silent from the commentary's point of view and all you hear is just the crowd losing it just absolutely fucking losing it and going ballistic and um it's a great match so go out of your way to watch that match you know i'm excited to be going to supercard of honor in dallas the next up we had the casino battle royal for the second team to qualify for the three-way for the tag team match so this was a little different from last week instead of having you know just every team in there at once you had the teams come out you know kind of one at a time so it starts off with uh ftr versus top flight with darius martin coming back uh, as dante martin's partner um he's been injured for i feel like a year it's been a really long time um either that or he just wasn't as featured before he was injured either but uh this was cool uh, you had the acclaimed come out uh as number three and they you know they for their rap this week they said that they're both both teams are less popular than glenn jacobs tweets <laughs> <laughs> which is a good segue to talk about what those tweets are <laughs> well let's talk uh, so, let's talk about dante martin first um sure uh dante martin and, and his, his brother darius martin uh, this is how you bring somebody back. I, I thought that it was it was brilliantly done because you have um, you had da- Dante Martin here, and he's been getting over. People are really into him. He's very exciting, and you might w- worry that Darius, while he's been out on injury, hasn't been getting any spotlight, so he's not he's gonna he's gonna kind of fall behind. But they showcased him in the absolute perfect way. And I feel like just in this one match, he's right there with his brother. And I, I thought that was just so masterfully done. Yeah, and that comes in more near, more so near the finish of the match. But uh, yeah, so back to the, the tweets yeah. real quick. Kane. Uh, so Kane, Glenn Jacobs, he is the mayor of uh, what, Knoxville County in Tennessee. And he basically kind of just tweeted out like the typical uh, Republican line about, you know, kind of putting over Putin uh, to use, I guess, wrestling verbiage to describe real-world events. Um, but, you know, kind of just, like, saying, like, you know, he doesn't basically see anything wrong with what's happening because, you know, might makes right in the real world. So Hangman replies and completely ratioed Kane, giving uh, two links to different Ukraine crisis relief funds and UNICEF, and then the third link to 10 ruthless chair shots Kane took to his head. <laughs> and it's just this YouTube video of him getting his ass kicked over the years. Just like taking oh. shots to the head. Why would he say something so fucking stupid? <laughs> and uh, yeah, we're talking about the Kane. Kane from WWE. Probably I mean, a lot. Of, I know I have a lot of listeners that watch in the Attitude Era and stuff like that. And yeah, that Kane. What the fuck? That guy. That what the guy. Fuck? I, hate, yeah. I hate that you can watch somebody for so many years, enjoy their work, and then you're like, what the fuck? Like, what the I hell, know. man? Like, another one bites the dust kind of shit. Like, what the fuck, man? Fucking Kane. I miss 98 Kane. <laughs> <laughs> he should have never taken off the mask. <laughs> Even but, in real life. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, I keep it on, like, as mayor. Uh, yeah like like just be the demon that you're fucking portraying in the fucking politics too so there was uh, a few cool spots so, like he's like kind of just like beating them back and whatnot but like obviously he's outnumbered uh he, you get a couple of elimination teases there's one with uh nick jackson where he's like on the apron and like darius hits him and then like brandon cutler ca- catches him and he 
you know, pushes him back on, but then Darius hits him again, and both of them just topple over each other on the outside. Uh, that was a really fun-looking spot. And then it's just Matt and Darius. Uh, they're both on the outside. You get a nice back and forth until uh, Matt hits a nut shot on him and then super kicks him uh, to eliminate him. But Darius held his own against the top tag team in the company, right? Like, that's the story here. Yeah, and and um, I, I, I didn't know who this... I didn't know who he was at all. Like I only do I only knew Dante Martin because of that one uh Hobbs. Yeah, that that one match against Hobbs. Yeah, was it was it against Hobbs? It was against yeah. him, right? Yeah, it was. Yeah. That's the only that's the only like introduction I've ever had to either of them. I didn't even know that he was part of a tag team. I'm not going to lie to you. <laughs> oh, fair enough. Cuz I haven't watched. I haven't watched in what yeah. over a year. Yeah. So They're I called- had no idea. They're called Top Flight, by the way. Top Flight. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I didn't see. I didn't know that at all. So, um, yeah, he he was he was he was cool. He was doing stuff. <laughs> he did stuff. He did moves and shit. Yeah, he's cool and doing stuff. Yeah, he looked kind of cool. <laughs> yeah, but no, dude, the match was really good. Like, like it was. I I liked it a whole lot more than the last one, the last uh, Battle Royale. Um, well, the, yeah, these types of ones because this is close to like the Royal Rumble, and it's just better to pace it. Yeah. I also think it's a really great example for young wrestlers. Like if they're, you know, some people might get like a boo-boo face whenever they they have to do the job or something like that. But like this is a fucking example of how you get over even when you lose. You know, like the Eddie Kingston special. And that that's something that you should, that people, that young wrestlers should watch and understand and get. Because you can get over without going over. Yeah. 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 <laughs> it's, yeah. It's, it's important. Yeah. It's. That that's your cue, EOD. Time to, right, time yes. to like, come yeah, on, play, to play by play guy. Fucking yeah. Uh, <laughs> next up, we have a uh, Jericho backstage. He runs down Eddie Kingston, calls him an idiot, uh, and that and then tells him to GFY because this is Jericho's cringy influencer gimmick. <laughs> uh, <laughs> there's no no other way to put it. Um, the 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 payoff for his influencer gimmick is him getting canceled and then putting a shitty apology tweet <laughs> on, on Twitter. <laughs> Where he doesn't oh, actually apologize, like the fucking yeah, he puts Artesian out a tweet guy. Longer. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. He's like, defense uh, Chris Benoit that, or something. That's, that's not the way that I wanted things to go. And also, maybe it'll go better next time. And you know, oh my gosh, dude, that's that's and that's, I that's lost my to live business license because I'm a dumbass. And uh... <laughs> Jesus um, Christ. Going forward, next... we'll adjust our rules, but doesn't actually apologize to the person. God At damn! All. What yeah. the fuck, dude? Dude, okay. I'm glad she blow she blew up. She's like she's got like seventeen thousand followers. She just she's a, she applied for Twitch partner. Like she's going Hell crazy yeah. right now, dude. Fuck yeah, yeah, I hope they give it to her too. I watched that Jace Two Cents video. I know this is like a tangent and it's not wrestling related, but I know we have some adjacent people for this. But yeah, go yeah go Kia. Like holy shit, I don't know you, but good on you for like calling that shit out fuck that guy fuck fuck them fuck fuck artesian builds and you know what streamers should stop whoring themselves out like these companies they use you and they give you their fucking affiliate link and then they put the carrot on the stick for this fucking giveaway like find companies that give a fuck about you and want to support your growth and they'll pay you and they'll give you the stuff that you need to make your stream better like stop whoring yourself out to these fucking places with like weird energy drinks and ground up fucking dog bones or whatever the fuck they have in or their weird mobile and, games you know yeah. like who would imagine like doing a stream promoted by a mobile game 
listen, that <laughs> will, you know, some people might enjoy those games. You know what I mean? That's different. But <laughs> that but being real, said, this stream is brought to you by Raid Shadow. Oh, no, no. <laughs> but for real, like, I, I know it's like it's it's your people like as, a, as as young streamers, you're 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 anxious to get like get these sponsorships and to get these partnerships and things like that. But don't sell yourself short. You're growing. Everybody has to start somewhere. You're worthy. You're worthy of getting these really good sponsorships where people actually fucking give a fuck about you, and you're not just some number that this it's like an asshole like Artesian Bills looks up and you know be rates on their stream because that's how the that's how some of these companies really fucking think about you even mm-hmm. if they don't get caught you know find people that will actually give a fuck about you a, a product that you actually believe in and that you can sell and be genuine about it and will actually support your stream without having to fucking like shill some garbage have some self-respect i'm sorry that's a big ass tangent but it's and it's completely different than pro wrestling but i just really wanted to get that off my chest Promo cut, motherfuckers. <laughs> <laughs> well, back to the show. We get another promo. CM Punk's promo to MJF responding from MJF's promo last week where he talked, you know, kind of a lot of real talk about just his history of wrestling and, you know, what it means to him and whatnot. And Punk says that, you know, he does believe him, but he does feel like he's kind of being gaslit and whatnot. And eventually calls MJF out so they can, you know, reconcile. He gives him handshake and mjf goes for a hug and they go out to the back you know make out matches off i guess <laughs> well you know you know what's great about this this was this was just brilliant this is pure pro wrestling art <laughs> it's a it's one of the best things i've ever seen in pro wrestling i called this shit like i've called it for weeks that this this is kind of where it was headed but they did such a good job with it so, so we know that MJF told that sob story last week and there was some reality to it, but he was still working. It was very clearly gaslighting to me and see him. But like, what do you do? Like, I, I what do you do? And, and I, I remember and I'm not trying to like fucking toot anybody's horn or anything like that. But if you if somebody if you see a homeless person, and you have some money to give to them, right? Just give it to him. It doesn't matter what they're going to spend it on. Because I've, I've heard some people say like, oh, they're just going to spend it on booze or some drugs or something like that. It's like, that's not really on you. Like, you should still do the right thing when you can because you never know. You never know if it's going to be a positive change for somebody or if they're going to use it to go get something that they shouldn't. That's really on them. But that doesn't mean that you can't do the right thing. So CM Punk's in the ring and he's it's, it's the same kind of dynamic. He feels like maybe it's wrong. He's getting gaslit, but he's going to try and do the right thing. So... He he opens up to to MJF. He talks about his own struggles. He says he wants to be a good guy. He offers his hand to MJF. And at this point, you could go anywhere. I bet if they called off the match and became a tag team right there, because they've been promoting this big dog, dog collar match, this heated dog collar match, I don't think anybody would have been mad. <laughs> or at least nobody that like had a brain. Like we would have been I would have been like, oh my God, because it was it it it, it if you, it could bring you to tears. I showed like the series of the promos to a friend and their reaction was really awesome. Like it was like, um, she was like, when, when MJF cut her promo, she was like, I wish people were booing him at the beginning. I wish they would have listened to him. Like MJF's promo works, worked last week. And it, it, that's why it was believable for CM Punk to be like, okay, you know what? I want to be like the good guy here. 
So CM Punk kind of like does the right thing as the baby face. He doesn't look stupid. He looks like he was like genuine and sincere. And then we get the classic pro wrestling thing and MJF kicks him in the balls because we still got a match to promote, right? We still have a match coming up. <laughs> no matter how real this shit got, you know, and that's the thing about pro wrestling. It's not real, but it can absolutely be honest. And those are the best stories. That's why pro wrestling is so amazing is because you can have that crossover. You can, it's the most real shit. It's the most real form of entertainment out there in these kinds of situations. There's no script. It's, I mean, it's, it's, I mean, I guess there could be a script, but like there's, it's not a movie. You don't have takes, you know, you bring in real stuff. Like Batman's not going to talk about, you know, Robert Pat Pattinson playing Batman. Isn't going to talk about like something that happened to him during that day on the, in the Batman movie, he's going to be playing Batman and only Batman. Right. When you see a promo from a pro wrestler, they're, they're, they're playing a character, but they're also themselves as that character. They're kind of living that character. And that's what brings the honesty to pro wrestling. And that's why it's so good. And that's what we got here. And man, I, I know I'm talking too much, but fuck man. I love this. This is one of the best things I've ever seen in wrestling. MJF kicks him in the balls He's got the upper hand. He busts CM Punk open. CM Punk's bleeding everywhere. It's graphic. Well, he gets his whole uh, faction out there to beat him up. He get, yeah, he gets his whole faction to back him up. The faction's keeping everybody back. There's people trying to come help. There's chaos. It's exciting, like goosebumps-worthy shit. They're ringing the bell over and over and over and over again to try to stop things. Their faction is holding back all the fucking um, security and things like that. And MJF's just beating on CM Punk and beating on CM Punk and beating on him. And the fucking blood is just flowing all. And they both wore white, by the way. Perfect. And uh, so that's why I knew I knew that there was going to be blood as soon as I saw everybody wearing white. Because that helps the visual. They did that on purpose. So they you could see all the blood all over the shirts and stuff like that. Well, and he wasn't just wearing white. He was wearing the picture that he had of him yeah. and Punk. Well, and well, then he like, MJF was the blood over it. MJF was wearing white pants, a white suit, and the white T-shirt, and and CM Punk was wearing a white T-shirt, and they were oh, they were both doing that. And uh, man, oh my god, when he, yeah, and like you said, when he wiped his hand on the shirt, and like there's like a bloody handprint over like himself mm -hmm. as a child meeting CM Punk. Fuck, like that. Show well, me something he, that's better than that in fucking movies and TV. Show me. When he's also cutting, uh, essentially, Punk's ROH heel turn promo on Punk himself. Yep. Yeah, he, he had to throw back a, a, an old, um, probably from like 2004 or 2005. Uh, it, was, it was after CM Punk won the ROH World Heavyweight Championship. And uh, he cut this promo and he stole a line from somewhere, but... Um, but it's still it's still relevant that he made that he cut that promo, and I remember when I saw it from the first time, and I was like, "Oh my god, what a credible promo and stuff." MJF cut it on him basically too. You know, he cut it right back on him, and it was the same. It's like full circle kind of thing. Um, yeah, this was incredible, in fucking credible, and I could not, I could not, the, I could not have been more excited about the pay per view, which we'll get to later. So, what'd you think, Brose? Now, now they're selling, they're selling, dude, this was, uh, they're selling prints of MJF, MJF's shirt, like, with the, with the yeah, blood smear. Yeah. yeah. And it's, it's just, it's marketing genius. It was, it was quintessential bro, uh, bro wrestling. Pro did wrestling. Bro wrestling. <laughs> no, I did not order it. I did not. Um. <laughs> they have but, two versions. See, they have one with the blood and one without it, which is awesome, I think. Yeah. 
So uh, just just the storytelling and every aspect of this entire feud, and especially once like we talk about the match, is it's just impeccable. It's just it was it was perfectly done. It was perfectly perfectly orchestrated. Just seeing, um, just like FTR holding back security and Wardlow and and uh, Sean Spears being in the ring, just absolutely decimating him, hanging him from the the ropes. It was just. It was perfect pro wrestling, dude, and it was it was great. It was great. Yeah, so I guess that's uh, kind of wraps up our thoughts on that. So I guess we can move on to the next couple segments. Uh, real quick, we have Keith Lee backstage. Team Taz interrupts again. You know, clearly, I think this is going to persist after the pay per view um, as a feud. To be honest, uh, then we get the uh, women's tag match for Britt Baker and Jamie Hayter versus Funda Rosa and Mercedes Martinez. They they do awesome brawls, and that's all I can really say about that. It was fun to watch. Yeah, there was a little sloppiness where I think uh, Jamie put out a kick and like Martinez just like missed it by a mile but sold yeah. it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I saw that too. I hate that. <laughs> but, yeah, but, but happens, overall, it was know? really good. Um, it, it's it, they, they you know they all beat each other up. It was really good. And, you know, kind of surprisingly, Rosa pinned Britt Baker, uh, which kind of, I mean, like, if you're familiar with pro wrestling tropes, usually that sort of forecasts uh, when the challenger pins the uh, champion ahead of time, usually it kind of forecasts that they will not be winning at the pay-per-view. That's true, but sometimes it's not true. I feel like it wasn't necessarily true in this situation. Well, it was true because... Oh, it, it was. It, I mean, it, no, I mean, it did <laughs> It did turn out to be true, but, like, it wasn't for that reason, if that makes sense. Right. So the, the reason why... Um, they booked Thunder Rosa to pin Brit is because Brit has never beat Thunder Rosa. Even in their high profile matches in the past, um, Brit's never beat Thunder Rosa. Every single match Thunder Rosa has won. And I think they were playing on that, that she just can't beat Thunder Rosa no matter what. It puts the championship in jeopardy. Uh, but now that we're going into the pay-per-view, there's a lot more on the line. It's a bigger deal. The championship is on the line. And it makes it, makes it look like... Uh, it, that that's how you put the thought in that Britt could lose right here, and it's time for Thunder Rosa to be champion because she just can't beat Thunder Rosa. That's the story. So that's why they did that pin there. Usually it's like a a fifty fifty thing, and you'll hear like, oh well, they fucking got the pin, so now they're gonna win or whatever. But it wasn't necessarily the case here, and I thought it was really well done for the story. I know we were all we were all pretty pretty surprised when she did get the pin, though. Yeah, like, we, while were. we were watching it. Yeah, it was so a big deal. I, they worked us a little bit, so. <laughs> uh, the next up, we have another backstage segment promoting the pay-per-view match between Ty Conti and Jade Cargill. Um, Smart Mark Sterling points out that his own contract that he signed means that Ty cannot touch Jade for uh, up to any time before the 48 hours prior to the pay-per-view. That time's up, so Ty kicks her and beats her up. Um, yep. So, Smart Mark... Probably don't hire him as your lawyer. Well, that's, that shit sucks. I mean, usually you would do that. I mean, I get that they did that, did it like that, but usually they do that trope where they didn't even talk about it. I mean, did you even know that was a thing up until this point? Yeah. No, they didn't. He talked about it. Like, he talked about it in the weeks past. Okay. Oh. Well, okay. that sucks. And why would you give away that payoff on in like a weird backstage segment? I think that 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 idea is supposed to be because. You want to see the babyface get their hands on the heel, and by doing that gimmick, the it, it's supposed to make you like 
oh my god, like the heel's supposed to be doing shit to get over on Tay Conti, you know, or, or to get over on the baby face. And you want to, every little bit that they do, you want to see them get their ass kicked more and more and more and more and more and more and more. I didn't give a fuck the entire time. I didn't even know that was a thing this whole time. <laughs> I didn't. To give, be fair, like, it's not exactly the best built program. They've only been doing it for like, what, two or three weeks? The booking has just been, even if, the big booking has been, just been garbage for this. Jade Cargill is fine, but she and, and she's not a bad heel. She's actually pretty decent. People are kind of starting to like her. But one of the biggest reasons people are starting to like her because they have her be this heel. She's talking shit. She says she has a foul mouth. She does heelish things. But then she goes to ringside after her matches and she hugs her daughter and it's all sweet and cute and shit like that. Like, pick what you want her to fucking be. Is she a heel or does she love her daughter and is a baby face? Like, pick what you want to do here. And that's why nobody, that's why there's no heat in this match. There's no heat. Nobody gives a fuck about this match except for like the match itself. Like, Nobody gives a fuck. I mean, am I am I alone in that? Y'all tell me. No, I, I honestly don't think so. Like they they don't know how. I feel like they don't know how to book her. Like one one day one day she's like you know playing to the crowd and like that's her like she's really good at that. And then the next day she's just like fuck everyone blah 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 blah. I I I don't I don't think they know what they're doing with her right now. I think yeah. part of it is um and I saw Meltzer talk about this um <laughs> earlier was Jade's relatively over like she pulls numbers and stuff like that but she's like less good than most other people who are over at that level in that company and i think it like puts them in a weird spot where like you're going to get the stuff that like i think as far as like the fans more so like work rate like we are we don't like her segments as much but it has that certain casual appeal Mm, here's how you fix her here's how i don't agree with that here's how you fix jade cargill you're not in a tough spot. Turn her baby face. That's it. Turn her baby face. Have some have her work with heels that that know what they're doing, like a Serena Deeb, and fucking they can lead the match. They can be the general because heels usually lead the match if it's not a veteran, and they do most of the work because of all the heat and stuff like that. All you have to do is have Jade fucking cu- like have hot comebacks. She's working on this undefeated streak. It's that fucking simple. Turn her baby face right now. Don't wait. At the same time, I don't really like, I mean, like, her making comebacks is fine, but I don't like her selling. That's true. Her selling isn't great, but this is how you fucking get it. So that's why you have a heel that knows what they're doing. Because if she doesn't sell, Serena Deeb will fucking make her sell. You know what I'm saying? So, like, they need, she needs, she needs a good heel to work with. Turn her baby face right now. Do it. And you know what? Even if she doesn't still sell very good, it's going to be better with than what they're doing right now because right now her matches have zero heat, zero, and they're and trying can, hard. I could see her as a babyface because like she carries herself so well and she talks not like the best, but better than than most babyfaces on the roster. I think yeah. she could do great. There's a lot to like. She's she she doesn't cheat either. Like so, just have her be fucking dominant and be cool. Exactly, and be badass. Be dominant. Exactly. Yeah. It, it, to it, some extent, it'd be great. I was real quick. I was gonna say to some extent, I think they just like having some level of character consistency. Like they're okay with having you know someone like Britt Baker, who's a heel but gets cheered. Yeah, and, and that's whatnot. why her. Ma- and I think that's kind of. And her matches don't have as much heat either, and they as much as they could. Unless she's up against like a real big baby face like Rosa. Yeah, and then even then it didn't have that much heat. It has heat, but it does not. It's not still not where it could be. They're they're missing so much. To me, they're missing so much with like, um, without having these traditional things in like uh, for their for their female characters. 
You know what I mean? And it's it's weird. It's weird that they're not booking them that way. It just I don't know. They need to have some kind of like you're like you said like consistency. But I think the problem is in, in part with their female characters is like they don't have that many that are particularly over either. So that's naturally going to cap whatever heat you have. Well, I mean, Brit's over. Brit's over as fuck. You know, right? You named one person. Still, well, still, okay, but you're right, and they are getting people over. But that's how you get people over is you give them fucking stuff to work with. You give them some heat. You give their matches some heat. That's how you get them over. Mm-hmm. So people care about their matches, not throwaway matches. Even if they're good, they feel sometimes they feel like throwaway matches. I want to see. I want to see. Like I want to be excited. I like legit Layla Hirsch, but why wasn't I excited about her versus Chris Statlander? She's like one of my favorite on the roster. You know, it's weird booking. We're really, 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 really weird. She's not, she's mean, she's mad, but she's not doing anything bad. Like, where is the, like, it needs to be more blatant for the heel babyface dynamic. It has to be. I mean, she beat up her friends after losing a match. I mean, it's kind of, I mean, I don't know. I mean, like, I guess, like, they could make it, they could amp it up to be a little more blood fever. I mean, maybe, you know, she can. Who did she, who are her friends again? Who did she beat up again? Statlander and uh, Red Velvet. That's right. And and you know what? More people that nobody that have no heat. Who's she beating up? Nobody cared about who she beat up. Like, well, exactly, but that's like the problem is it's hard to like, get God damn it, put her with Team Taz and have them do some <laughs> fucking shit. Have fucking Will Hobbs inter, inter, interfere in her match or something. Like some something. Yeah. Team Taz has that weird thing too, where like they're heels, but they're like kind of over as baby faces, though too. I think I still think that people see Will Hobbs as kind of a heel, but it's yeah, but they like him. You're maybe you might be right about that too. I don't know, man. There's something something is off about the way that some of these. I think part of it is just kind of the way the the wrestling community just operates nowadays too. It's you know I I don't totally believe we're in this like era of like truly past like baby faces and heels. But I think that there's like a certain level where it's just like people really like people who are good at their job and they kind of react accordingly. Yeah, I mean, I, I guess so. I, I just I think people would really get behind Jade if they turned her baby face. But I don't know. I don't know. It, it, I guess it's something to think about because I don't know. I, I just I don't know. Those, tra- those traditions work for some for, for a reason, you know? If, if MJF can do it, if MJF can be as heel as he can, then anybody else can. Because MJF is really good. You know? So what you're saying is if we keep Jade heel, she needs to, like, shove her kid in the face and, like, not care. Maybe. I don't fucking know. Something <laughs> to get her over as a heel. <laughs> fucking. Yeah, let's, let's air some domestic abuse on live TV. She, she, I mean, oh. uh, we've seen that. Like, I mean, I'm not, I'm not saying that she should crisp and wall or anybody, but, like, <laughs> like she needs to do something bad she needs to do something or if, she, if they want her to be heel like she should they have all these heels that play to the crowd like an adam cole and he you know he'll he'll fucking tune up the band like Shawn michaels in the corner he'll do the boom but he's supposed to be a fucking heel but then he nut shots people like it's 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 one thing that people appreciate a wrestler because they're good and they like them no matter if they're baby if, if they're booked as a baby face or heel it's another thing to completely shit all over that idea and that's something that adam cole that's something i don't like about adam cole that's one of the things i don't like about him like 
where's your sincerity in playing these characters? Like when you play through the crowd, look at the Young Bucks. Young Bucks were able to get people get to turn against them. Kenny was able to get people to turn against them. To and some the, extent. He was always kind of got a mixed reaction. With with that said, but but they did whatever they could to make it work. And you know what mm-hmm. they did? They gave him Don Callis. And Don Callis yeah. helped helped him get that heat. They like that's the thing. You gotta give somebody something to do to get to that point. And right now, and they gave they gave Jade Mark Sterling, but she cuts all her own promos. And there's no heat on Mark Sterling at all. Like there's like even though he's a good heel, we know he's a good heel. We've seen him in GCW as a good heel, like cutting those crazy promos. But even then, in in GCW, it's I guess like the thing with uh, Mark Sterling more generally is just that he feels redundant for a lot of people. Like he doesn't really exactly. add like a particularly key, strong heel dynamic, right? Yeah. Like Cardona was perfectly fine without him. He's just there as yeah. like this extra like. You know, he's there to like, you know, be at the shows that he can't be, right? But I thought, I thought he, but still, he was able to have cut these long promos. He was able to be like, um, he was able to be like a heel. He was able to like be fully heel and people booed him harder than they ever fucking even cared about him in AEW. And that's probably. Maybe just have him cheat more. I don't know. No, like, not interfere even. Interfere for matches. I don't know. No, he needs, he needs to talk. He doesn't need to be with her at all. She needs to be babyface by herself and he needs to go work with somebody that can't talk and be their manager and be their mouthpiece like a fucking like i mean i guess they like like if eric if eric redbeard wasn't in the the death triangle now like they would have you know he could be with him you know somebody that can't talk that can be a badass and that's they're good in the ring and that's it jade cargill's he's not a good fit for jade cargill he's a he's a good manager but he's not a good fit for her she needs to be a baby face. I just uh, that's my opinion on that. I I just uh they're they're they have like some misplaced stuff, but they do they do it right sometimes, but I also think that the fucking talent should also respect what they're trying to be too. And I think that somebody like Adam Cole doesn't do that. And Jade doesn't do that. She's hugging and kissing her kid and like it's after her matches of being an asshole. Like what? What like pick something? You have a whole career ahead of you for when you're finally babyface. You well, can I mean, hug you and can kiss ha- your kid. You can like, I mean, Akil can like their kid. I mean, that's it's fine. But maybe yeah. cut a promo about how she's raising her to be like a little monster or something. I don't know. Like, yeah, cut. Like a, yeah, that. there you go. I mean, she could cut a promo about like how much better her kid is than everybody else, but then she puts heat yeah. on her kid. So why do it? So why fucking do it? Tell me. The kid could take some heat. It's fine. <laughs> Tell me why. There's no reason. Just be babyface. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> Joe, you're on a very tangy mood today, Rowan. I, I love it. I I'm love a, it, man. I'm in a good mood. I, I'm in a good mood. So when I'm in a good mood, I like to be mad. <laughs> All right. Uh, next up, did uh, we get did we get Brose's thoughts on this? I sure I sure am talking a lot. I'm sorry, guys. Dude, I said it early on. Yeah, <laughs> I gave my thoughts, and then we talked about it for another eight minutes. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> all right, All right. so uh, next up we had uh, Wardlow versus uh, Cesar Bononi uh, this was probably the quickest Wardlow squash ever um, hit him for repeated powerbombs powerbomb symphony um, it's kind of weird like Cesar's like a bigger guy so you'd think they would have made it like a bigger deal like when he did it with uh, Nick Camaroto but whatever um, Wardlow wins uh, Spears does his thing where he tries to take the chair but this time Wardlow steals it from him and just glares at him and Sean Spears backs down 
Uh, and then we get uh, we go to the back with an interview with those two, and uh, Sean brings MJF in and says like, "Oh, you know, world, oh, you can keep the TNT title if you win, but you're not going to win anyways, so who cares?" And then <laughs> Wardlow says that uh, it's only because he keeps trying to make him win. MJF slaps him, tells him that uh, he's the one who puts food on his table, and he needs to shut up. It's Noah's place. That slap was uh, was it it hurt it hurt me. <laughs> It hurt me, dude. It was a it was a powerful slap. <laughs> have you been slapped around by your boss before? Uh, no, I can't say I have, but uh, <laughs> you know, there's still time. Um, yeah, dude, that that slap was it hurt. It hurt my feelings. I like this. Um, I mean, it, it's it's a uh, you can tell. Like, I guess they're trying to put over that like Wardlow's biding his time, and you know, we're we're all waiting for that moment where Wardlow finally turns on MJF and who knows how it's going to be. So Yeah, who knows? Who knows? <laughs> I'm just kidding. We do know. Just spoiler alert. We do know. We just... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but we'll get to that later. <laughs> yeah. Um, then we have uh, Adam Cole and Red Dragon versus Hangman, John Silver, and Alex Reynolds in a six-man tag match. Uh, Hangman and the Dark Order are dressed as cowboys, of course. Uh... This was pretty good overall. Uh, again, I think was this the first match that you noticed, bros? Like where like Poppy Fish just talks all the time, and you can hear him. It was it was more during the the page promo last week that you could just hear him constantly, oh, and yeah. then t- the, last night and uh, on Dynamite, all you can hear was just Bobby Fish saying random shit, <laughs> <laughs> just random like, shit. Like it's related to like what's happening, but it's just like this weird reaction and like background noise. He's just so loud. He's a loud guy. Yeah. So this, this was a uh, pretty fun, but it ends with um, Adam Cole pinning Alex Reynolds uh, after hitting the well, formerly the last shot. Now it's called the boom, I guess. Uh, beats him up until Hangman tries to save him. Then Red Dragon tapes Hangman to the ropes. Uh, Cole super kicks him a bunch, hits him with the title, and you know says he's gonna be champ. So this is their go home angle for the title match. It's uh, I like Adam Page a lot. Adam Cole's fine. He's an okay wrestler. I just doesn't do anything for me. He kind he kind of over overdoes the whole super kick thing, dude. I know everyone does, but he does it to like such an extreme, to where it's just like his only. Is not no no no. I can't say for that. him. It's like his like sort of. Not exactly his standard strike, but like he does it more than just like a normal kick. Yeah, that, like some people do. Yeah, yeah. Because I, I, I was gonna say that is like, oh yeah, it's his only thing he does. But like, he, it's not because he's 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 a great wrestler. Um, and he you know he has a diverse move pool. I guess it's what I'm looking for there. But it, he just it's kind of the thing he has in his back pocket all the time. He's like, okay, I can put a super kick here and right here it's, and right here. Yeah, it's and like one you right can't here. think. Yeah, you can't think to do anything else with your vast move repertoire. Yeah, he's been wrestling for how long? And he's like, every every transitional move is a super kick. Like, ugh. Yeah. But I feel like that's like a lot of wrestlers nowadays. So him maybe more so than others, but still. I, um, yeah, I, I just, I don't know. I, I guess I was looking forward to the match, but, um, yeah, Adam Cole. Yeah, you're right. The, the super kick thing sucks, and the slapping the leg, and the there's just over and over and over and over again. It just makes it look so bad. That's one of the reasons I loved El Phantasmo because he came up with a way to make it relevant again. You know, you could only do that for so long, but 
Yeah, now that the uh, you know the cheating's exposed, you can't do it anymore, right? Yeah. <laughs> so. uh, I, I personally like this. I mean, I I don't necessarily have a strong opinion on like the usage of the super kick in that way. Like, I get that it's kind of associated with other higher profile wrestlers and whatnot, and but it, it is what it is. I've learned to embrace it. Mm. I just don't uh, see the the fucking value in making your own move less effective. Like, like people don't even bu- like when he uses it to people, they don't even bump anymore. Like you just don't bump; they stagger. Like oh, it's so ineffective. And well, it you just, said you like people working their size. He's a smaller guy. It's a fucking super kick, though. Like you should. That's why you save it. You it's less is more. You use it when it means something. That's the whole point of using something when it means something. When it doesn't mean something, people just fucking, whoa, I just got super kicked. And they do the white arm wave thing. <laughs> like, no, that's bad. It's bad. It's real bad. All right. So next up, we've got uh, Rampage. And we start out with the triple threat match between Darby, Sammy, and Andrade for the TNT title. Uh, obviously, the past few weeks, we've been having single matches with most of these guys, right? We've had Sammy versus Darby, then Sammy versus Andrade. And this, I think, beat all of those and knock them all out of the park. They could have put this on the pay-per-view. It was good. Yeah, this was really good. Um, we got a lot of, uh, early on, Darby and Sammy are teaming up to fight Andrade. It makes sense. They're both baby faces. Andrade has screwed them at a few points. And uh, there's just like a lot of crazy moves. You get big springboards from Darby, uh, a code red uh, to Andrade, Sammy, quickly breaks it up and like that's the thing like it's just all these like big moves just throughout the entire thing uh andrade i think was probably i think he was my favorite guy in the match uh he did like really good he like beats up both guys with his belt um sammy takes a few bumps to the outside uh of course and this is kind of like it's sort of like the nostalgia spot that you always get is when he does the three amigos there was the crowd was chanting for eddie Guerrero, obviously mm-hmm. not a uh, not Kingston in this this time. Uh, he also did his double moon salt to Sammy. Uh, Sammy has kind of stolen this move from him, which <laughs> I did not know about until you pointed it out, Joey. But <laughs> nice to see you know back in its proper hands or feet or body. I don't know body, <laughs> what, what, yeah, what all is body. There. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, and yeah, this was really good. Eventually, we get uh, the finish which was a stunner into the GTH into a coffin drop uh, splash from Sammy. So, like, like Darby did half of that, and Sammy did uh, part of it, too. Uh, Sammy knocked off uh, Darby and then pinned Andrade uh, to retain his belt. This one was... thing that I wanted to... Po- Sorry. No, go ahead, um, go ahead. One thing that I wanted to point out was um, just how uh, brutal uh, Andrade and... Um, and Darby were just fucking laying into each other. Oh yeah, it was. There was yeah. a couple moments where I'm like, "Is this? Is this like? Are they? Is it? Did something happen? Are they shooting on each other? Because like they were just laying in." And uh, well, particularly uh, when he's like, when Darby's like kind of crouched down after like Andrade kicked him, and he just like kick. kicks him in the head. Yeah, that kick. yeah, exactly. Yeah. And then there was also like a kick to the back, of, or was it the front of Darby's head? But yeah, there was a there was a kick to. I think it maybe was was to the face, but it just looked just. 
just absolutely brutal. Andrade was just like laying everything. And it didn't really seem like there was anything between like Andrade and Sammy. But when it came to those to Darby and Andrade, I don't know if they were doing it for storytelling purposes, but it was they they were just laying into each other. And that's yeah. definitely something that I noticed. It was awesome. I think they have more heat because of the storyline where Andrade was trying to buy Darby <laughs> and stuff from Sting and like uh, I think so. I think there was like something there, and I think that's what they were working with, and it was awesome. I fucking love it when wrestlers are like, "Hey, let's fucking really fucking do this. Let's make people believe this." I love that shit. I I, I love that ma- this match because of that. It was great. Um, I didn't really. Well, I really care. love the uh, disrespectful flair to what Andrade was doing too. Where yeah. it's just like it's just like I'm gonna beat the shit out of this guy. I don't care about him. Yeah, I I thought that uh, the finish was kind of weird. I thought it it, it kind of came off as like Sammy stealing the win, and uh, that's usually what a heel would be doing. Um, it was weird. I th- I don't I don't like. He's a champion, so if he's gonna win, then make him win, unless they wanted to convey that he barely made it out, you know. So I didn't really care for the finish, but the rest of the match was fucking badass. Yeah, it was really good. Uh, next up, we have Pac and Penta Obscuro with Alex Abrahantes in the ring. He's still dressed up like a weird vampire dude. And he cuts a promo saying that, uh, you know, the three of us are going to take on the House of... or We have three members to take on the House of Black. Malachi hits the ring and says, like, you know, thank you for sacrificing yourself, basically. And then he says he's not the third member. It's Eric Redbeard, the former Eric Rowan. Uh, actually, his second appearance in AEW. You're bearing the lead a little bit. He he cut. He had a fucking excellent line, like an iconic line, I'd say. Even just really good. He goes. He says, "You have your giant," talking about Brody King, mm-hmm. and he goes, "And we have ours." And that's when they bring out Eric Redbeard, the former Eric Rowan from WWE, uh, Thorf from uh, Pro Wrestling Noah, and he was like, "We didn't know what to think." Like, is he going to be weird? Is he going to be bad? Ring rust, whatever. And he fired up, and like everything he looked, he did was fucking awesome. This is just the guy took that knows all what, him down. This is the guy that knows what the fuck he's doing and knows how to work his size, and it was fucking awesome. There was a cool. Sorry, uh, I was going to say there was a real cool spot when uh, after he takes out the house and they flee, um, he just destroys the security. <laughs> yeah, so I was I was actually going to talk about that too. The we, you had said it when we were watching, I think, that it was just like a, a night and day comparison between the way that Ten went crazy and took out security and the way that uh, Eric Redbeard went crazy and took out security was like very, very similar, but mm-hmm. much uh, more well executed by Eric Redbeard because, you know, he's got, he's got, you know, he knows what the fuck he's years. doing. He knows what he's, he's doing. Exactly. He knows what he's doing. He's, he's, he's been around, he's been around the, the globe a couple times doing stuff like that. So I think, uh, yeah, it was a, it was a cool visual uh, to just see him absolutely wrecking face, dude. It was great. I just hope Tin watched that shit and was like, "Oh shit, that's how I'm supposed to do it." <laughs> oh, that's how it's supposed to look. I just really hope that 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 happened, that that took place. So this is good. I'm pretty pumped about the pay per view at this point. And uh, that that show's not even that match wasn't even on the pay per view. We'll we'll get to that though. It was on the it was on the pre show. Yeah. And not only did AEW present the best. Uh, the best go home show I've ever seen, but they, they, they put out the best pre show I've ever seen. They they made <laughs> yeah. a can't miss pre show. Like it was very much an extension of the of the pay per view, and it was very like you could like 
you could drop the pre-show from it and if you like bought the dvd not that people do that anymore but if you bought the dvd and that was part of it you would feel like that was part of the pay-per-view and like not think anything of it and the pay-per-view is honestly up there too but we'll talk about that yeah we'll get there uh we then had a dan lambert promo says that scorpio is going to be fighting sammy next week on dynamite and that Paige van zant will be signing with aew um, we then get keith lee versus jd drake uh, Ricky Starks is on commentary for most of Rampage. I just love him mocking Keith Lee and his promo style on commentary. <laughs> just really getting into it. And we do that too. <laughs> I know. Which is maybe why like it resonated so much. Um, I was really terrified of this match because I thought that we were going to see J.D. Drake job like just get squashed. I think J.D. Drake is really fucking good and very underrated in the business right now. And uh, I, I didn't want, want to see him just get fucking destroyed. I, I, I think that he's very underrated in AEW, period. I think he's underutilized. And uh, he's one of those guys. I think all of the minute, the um, all of their, uh, what's their wingman. fucking stable called? The wingman. I think all of the wingman. I think the wingman stable is underused. I would love to see them on TV. I love how fucking funny they are. They are the perfect dog and pony show that I like to see in wrestling. <laughs> It reminds me, they're funny. They're not as funny as these, as like the Impact players, but um, I like which was um, just incredible. And Lance Storm and Jason and Nicole Bass and just they they had like a rotating door of like goons and stuff. But I love that. I love the Dog and Pony show sometimes, and they're the perfect set of them. And they got really good wrestlers in there, so they're underutilized. And I was really terrified that they were that we were just going to see JD Drake just get the shit kicked out of them. But no, they had a competitive match. JD Drake is fucking awesome. Um, Keith Lee did a great job. The match was good. The one thing he messed up was he when he's like holding Drake uh, in his hands for like what felt like you know ten minutes almost, right. and like suspending him. It's like this cool show of strength, but he was facing away from the hard cam. Oh yeah, that is really weird. That. Keith Lee knows better than to not play to the hard cam, and that was so weird. Yeah, super bizarre. Uh, but after that, the wingmen all hit the ring and get d- demolished by them. Uh, this was a good segment. What do you think, Brose? So I didn't. I didn't know. I, I don't. I don't know who JD Drake is. I had no idea. I don't. I've never heard of the wingmen before. Uh, I know it's a gun in Apex. Um, I've never heard of. I've never heard of of him. I've never seen him before in my entire I'm life. I'm surprised you never saw him in Evolve. He was Evolve World Champion for a bit. Oh, that's him. Yeah, the fucking country guy. Oh. The feud, they had that that really awesome feud with Austin Theory, and yeah. like yeah, and he was like the fucking everyman versus the fucking chiseled Austin Theory. It was such Dude, a cool dynamic. Dude, I did not put two and two together at all. Yeah. I. Wow. Okay. Okay. So I have seen him before. Um, yeah, but they were two very large men hitting each other really hard. And I and I like that in my wrestling sometimes. You know, it doesn't have to be flips and shit. It can just be you know, two fucking brutes going at it. You know. So um, yeah, it was it was it was fu- it was a good match. It was uh, it was Keith Lee's Keith Lee. You know, and yeah, J- <laughs> I didn't know. That, that what was a fun moment guy. of discovery. Yeah. <laughs> I need to go back and watch some Evolve again because I haven't watched. I mean, obviously they closed, what, like a year and a half ago, two years? So, like, yeah, yeah I, need to, I need to go watch that again. Huh. <laughs> that's that's my homework for the week. All right. There we go. Found it. There's I still haven't really... watched the, the Thunder Rosa and uh, what's it called? I haven't watched the Deathmatch yet. Even oh, though yeah. that was my that was my project for what like 
two three weeks ago <laughs> there's some there's some really good videos i think i think they're on the wwn live um youtube channel that's like the company that like the, the parent like affiliate partner whatever the fuck it was yeah. for evolve and i think there's like there's these really cool uh kenny johnson made them he made these really cool mini documentaries for evolve and uh, there's some really good ones with jd drake and stuff like that the timothy thatcher series is one of my favorites like um they're they're really good but they're worth watching and it helps you kind of like see what they did the kind of booking that they did and stuff like that and evolve it was good Gabe Sapolsky is probably the best booker in the booze. Dude, true. One last thing I was going to say about this is, uh, I don't know if you guys saw this, that uh, Dutch Mantel said that he didn't like this match because Keith Lee shouldn't have sold it all for J.D. Drake. What? What? Yeah. He did say that? Yeah, he said that he should have just like squashed the guy. He didn't look like a star because he didn't like just beat him and, you know, a knock uh, better I, match. I, I, I actually kind of agree with, uh, with Dutch Mantel. I didn't want to see J.D. Drake be the one to get squashed. I expected a swash because it was what was it was what was uh it was what was kind of felt right like it was the natural, so we should have gotten like Peter yeah. Avalon or something yeah you should have so. gotten literally you could have picked anybody fucking else I'm glad that JD Drake got his TV time I'm glad they had a good competitor I'm glad they had a good match but he's right it should have been Keith Lee smashing somebody just not JD Drake <laughs> yeah yeah so I, I see where he's coming from on that. Uh, next up, we have a CM Punk promo where he basically says he's going to have his revenge on NJF. He's going to become a monster himself to fight the monsters of the world. Which is uh, uh, Earth Crisis lyric, Straight Edge Band. Yeah, the, uh, the possibly the highlight of this was, um, I think it was Doc Samson in the back, just looking on completely stone-faced throughout this, not blinking, not moving a muscle, not <laughs> reacting to anything Punk said. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's really funny. I <laughs> urge people to go watch that clip. It's on YouTube and stuff. But the, yeah, the fucking doctor just stares at the camera and just completely like a statue wasn't this couldn't be this still. Like an actual <laughs> fucking chiseled fucking statue could would not be this still. It was crazy. And like he's just becoming. I couldn't even pay attention to the great promo that was happening at the moment while CM Punk is covered in blood, I was just laughing so hard at this dude because he never moved. Didn't even blink. Didn't even blink. No. And uh, so he's been he's become kind of a hero in our group. We've been watching him and like pointing him out. And, oh, there's the legend and shit like that. There he that. is. There he, he was there after their pay-per-view match too, I believe. Yeah, he was. Like just fucking, oh, I, could take him, I could take him out right now. Like that kind of <laughs> It's really funny. Uh, next up, we had Serena Deeb versus uh, Layla Gray and, you know, her weekly squash match. Uh, the notable thing here is that Hikari Shida came back at the end and starts just hammering Deeb with the kendo stick. So that feud will continue, and they've had some pretty good matches in the past, so I'm looking forward to that. Good for Finally get to see uh, Trina Deeb to have something real to work with. I'm sure, I know she's doing the like uh, five-minute challenge, but I'm glad to see her back in the program. Cool. Uh, Eddie Kingston interview with Tony uh, Shivani, and <laughs> they start out with you know him like, talking about like oh you got this big thing of jericho and eddie does yip uh a reference to uh, this kind of infamous uh promo from uh jumping jeff farmer some i assume he's from like the territory days right can we go back for a second i would like to point out something about serena deeb and another reason why she's so good she's the she's like one of the only women on the roster that commits to her being a heel no hugging no hugging her kid no being cheery, no smiling, nothing. She's heel, 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 heel. There you go. Okay, that's why I like her. Okay, can you continue? 
but another line that you probably really liked from the Eddie Kingston promo was uh, in reference to Jericho constantly saying, like, in his promo, like, oh, I knew you'd be a great baby face someday, and, like, all this <laughs> other, like, weird inside knowledge. Eddie said, kayfabe may be dead, but we don't have to piss on its grave. Oh, I love that. Dude, that was that such was a great hilarious. line. <laughs> Eddie's the fucking man. He's the best. And uh, he's, um, God, he's he's on the cusp of something insane if he's not already pretty much there. And uh, yeah, this was good. He did the yip, which is literally yep. the worst promo of all time, said <laughs> by the fucking best promo guy in the game. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, we we could probably do an episode about some horrible promos out there. Yeah, that's true. That'd actually, actually be fun someday. Yeah, Just the Shane McMahon read, one's pretty read bad. Some shit promos. Wait, what's who? Wait, who had a better promo, Jumpin' Jeff Farmer or Shane McMahon than that episode? Oh, uh, gosh. Stop fucking with me, Shane. We're fucking me, Shane. <laughs> I think uh, Jeff Farmer had the better promo. Okay, it's, All right. it's more quotable. It at is. Least. It is quotable. I yeah, it is quotable. I don't remember anything that Shane said. I just remember his breathing and stuff, like his weird breathing. <laughs> <laughs> All right, All right. Yeah, then the the promo ends with uh, Eddie pointing out that there was like a Reese's peanut butter cake and catering, and he said, "Tony, let's go eat it." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he said Reese's too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's good. Uh, then our main event for Rampage, uh, the qualifying ma- qualifying match for the last spot in the ladder match, Ethan Page versus Christian Cage. Uh, the buildup is basically they both debuted on the same night that Tony Khan said there'd be a Hall of Fame worthy talent debuting. So that's kind of their you know heat going in is to prove that which one who that he was referring to. Uh, I thought this was pretty good overall. Um, Page got a lot of heat uh, during the uh, commercial break. Uh, but eventually Christian makes a comeback. There's a cool uh, spot for the uh, finish where Ethan goes for his uh, ego's edge and it gets reversed into the kill switch and Christian wins and qualifies for the ladder match. I, I get that Christian's the, the ladder guy. He's the famous ladder guy, but I would have rather seen Ethan Page in this match. I was about to say that too, yeah. Yeah, I really like Ethan Page. Hopefully he'll get his due someday. This match was like really forgettable. <laughs> I'm not gonna lie. Like I, I don't remember any aspect of it really. It was uh, it kind of just happened. <laughs> um, I think the end of it was uh more fun because like uh, Jura- uh, what's it called? Jurassic uh, Express. Yeah, Jurassic Express and uh, Red Dragon come down. Young Bucks are there, and it was it was a little bit more uh, it was it was more showmanship and everything. That was more more memorable than the match for me personally. Um. Yeah, you gotta get everyone in for the go home happen. angle, right? Exactly, dude. Exactly. Yeah, I just yeah, it was a eh. I don't like it, you know. Like, <laughs> I love the the like the emphasis that they put on their tag team division, like makes it feel like a big deal. Yeah, especially for after sure. that that uh, that title match on Sunday. Oh, that was yeah, cash well, money. Well, and speak, speaking of speaking Sunday, of that, yeah, 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 yeah. AEW Revolution. This is the uh, freshest stuff we're ever going to cover because we watched this <laughs> yeah. last night live. Had a great time. We woke up. Now we're talking about the show. We started with the so pre-show. We, Go ahead. Yeah, we start with the buy-in slash pre-show. We get Layla Hirsch versus Chris Stantlander. Uh, this wasn't uh, this wasn't bad, but it was a little sloppy in a few parts. I think that. I don't know if it's that they like necessarily lack chemistry or if there's just like kind of a weird size difference as far as like 
where they end up putting each other when they do certain moves. Um, but eventually, uh, we this ends with Layla cheating, getting a turnbuckle from under the ring, hitting Chris Statlander the head with it, and then getting a kind of cool-looking uh, springboard moonsault. Like, she starts on the top rope and then, like, jumps onto the rope itself and then hits it. Um, that was cool. Uh, other than that, this was kind of just there. More heel, ruthless Layla. Layla's not yes, even the kind of person that needs to cheat, and, like, she, she's kind of, like... Her style is very legit. She could be closer to like a Jade Cargill style with like not ever having to cheat to win her matches and being like a badass, but she could still be, I think she could still probably come off being heel. We've talked about it at, at nauseum here, but um, I want to see more Layla Hirsch. I want to see more building of her and stuff like that. So I agree. I don't think she, I don't think she needed to cheat to win, dude. She looks, she looks mean and she looks like she could just beat some ass. She should have like put her in a hole and just held it there for like, five minutes after the match was over dude i would have been happy yeah i, I kind of get like with it being statlander that. that you kind of want to add like a little bit extra there like if it was red velvet instead i think 100 percent just like strangler like, you want to protect you, you want to protect chris statlander i get that but yeah. also also you're not going to bury her if if layla doesn't let go of the of the hold like he's saying after the match in fact that would have been a really good book booking right there like i think you would have gotten some sympathy out of chris statlander i mm-hmm. think that would be good for her Take take uh, Brian Danielson's booking right now, like how he's just being ruthless and and violent, and give that to Layla Hirsch, and she's a fucking star, dude. And put her in Team Taz. Team Taz. <laughs> Jesus. Jesus. Uh, speaking wow. of great heels, Don Callis comes out with Kenny Omega's music. <laughs> this was crazy, and like you know, it's funny. It was we were watching the feed, and I was trying to like. Uh, I was trying to like buy the pay-per-view and I just didn't want my details to show up on the screen. And um, as soon as I fucking did that, Kenny's music started playing and people were going fucking ballistic because everybody thought that Kenny was returning on the pre-show and just people were going nuts. And I was like, oh shit, you guys are missing this. You guys are missing this. And I'm trying to get it up and I put it back up and it's Don Callis coming out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, this was great. His promo that he cut was really good. He said that uh, he and Kenny gave everyone the greatest title reign of all time. And, you know, to be honest, it was a really fucking good title reign. It was good. Um, and then uh, he blames Fan for Kenny wrestling hurt. He's like, oh, you just kept, you just kept wanting one more five-star match. And this poor guy just wrestling all hurt. He said, but he'll be back soon. Uh, says that the Bucks will win tonight. And then says Adam Cole will probably also win. And he'll be a fantastic transitional champion. <laughs> <laughs> this was a, this was a, a um, just, this was a perfect promo from Don Callis. Also one of the best talkers in the game. Uh, he, he does, there's this like old school thing. And I, I remember I've been asked to do it before. Where you're heel, you go out there and you kind of talk about the matches in a way that um, you're still the heel, even though. But you're like you're like promoting and running down the card to get people to react and stuff like that. So Don Callis did this fucking masterfully. He ran down pretty much all the big matches, and uh, it's crazy. It's 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 absolute. Like to me, the best promo guys in the business can do that. I think Hogan used to do this some kind of sometimes too, and. Uh, it was, it was great. I think Don Callis, you need Don Callis on your show if you're a pro wrestling show. He's awesome. He's really I was good. making dinner, so I didn't see the promo at all. Uh, <laughs> yeah, you missed some good shit. I, I hope I hope you were here for this next match, Brose. I was. QT Marshall versus Hook. <laughs> yep. Hook. Yep. 
what can we say? Hook is amazing. Do you still hate Hook? Or are you just saying that to fucking shut us up? I don't hate Hook. I never hated Hook. I just didn't get it initially. Do you still okay? do, do you still not get it? Be honest. You don't have to you don't have to appease us. I think he's cool and he's a handsome dude and he and he beats some ass. But I don't know. It's just he's just he's just a kid. I'll tell I you know. why, I'll tell you why he got over before he ever even got over. Before he ever even had a match. So Hook is obviously he's the son of Taz, right? Yeah. And he, they put him in Team Taz, and all he did was st- never talked. He stood in the background, would wear a hoodie, sometimes a cap or something like that, and he would sometimes ate chips. Yeah, he ate chips. He would he, he just he was just heel. He would uh, he was um, he would cheat in matches, and he would do stuff like that. Uh, sometimes take a bump, and that's it. But he didn't do anything like. He, and this was like for how long? Two years? How long was it? He? Wasn't that long? It, it was, it was, I think it was like a full year. It was a full year, maybe more. And because uh, he, he would did, show up in the background, but like he wasn't part of it. Because like I know there's, yeah. um, I think one of the MJF segments. He's just like one of the extras. The first time we ever saw him was, uh, Taz cut a promo where he he was mad that nobody was uh, recognizing the FTW Championship. Cody comes out, kind of disrespects Taz. And then tells him like, "Oh, that's why your son's training with me and not you, Taz." And so Taz puts uh, puts Cody in the Taz mission. They don't really go anywhere with this, but Taz puts Cody in the Taz mission. Hook comes out and he joins, and he just like he walks away with his dad, and that's that's how he debuted. He's like, "Oh, this is my son." So everybody's like, "Okay." So then it hmm. became then it became a full blown meme that Hook is a badass or whatever like it just it just became a meme send people, hook yeah people thought it was funny and on reddit there would be like hook content. Fears hook. yeah everybody fears hook and hook content and stuff like that so when cm punk debuted he feuded with uh team taz a little bit and he was saying send will hobbs send hook and then people popped big and like <laughs> it just kind of rolled it kind of rolled off of a meme so it was kind of a meme but nobody really thought he was like great or anything because nobody knows but nothing he was doing bad on, on on TV was offensive or anything like that. So fast forward, he's finally going to have his debut. They put it they they put it over really big, and nobody knows what to expect. It could be the drizzling shits. But so people are expecting it to be oh he's going to be this green guy or whatever, right? So Hook comes out. He's got the cool music. He's got the swagger. He's got the cool hair. He's a handsome dude, and he fucking kicked ass. And he did pretty much all of Taz's spots. And he did a good job of it. And he looked legit. And he was just awesome. And then people were like, holy fuck, he is cool. <laughs> it's, you know? And so, like, it just kind of took off from there. And that's why everybody's really, like, pumped about Hook. And they they really do have a fucking big star on their hands, in my opinion, because of all that stuff. It's just kind of the perfect storm of stuff that happened. And he came across, like, a big star in this match. And he did. I know for whatever reason, like, the internet wrestling community likes to kind of bury QT Marshall a bit. I really don't get it. Uh, he was really good in this too, but like mm-hmm. every time he like got offense in on Hook, like the heat he got mm-hmm. was insane. Like just you got QT sucks chance. Like people hate. He was like the biggest heel in the business every time he touched Hook. Yeah, that was good. This was everything about this was awesome. Hook got to sell a little bit, but he didn't. Yeah, sell. I was gonna say he was selling. He, shit. He, he sold the perfect amount. Like he didn't sell too much. He didn't sell too little everything made sense like it was it's awesome hook is the fucking real deal man yeah and uh that takes us to the 
main event, if you will, of the pre-show, the House of Black versus oh my god, Death Square. Um, I guess <laughs> now since they've got four people in it, but uh, yeah. So this was this was a battle. <laughs> this wasn't a oh match. This was a god. battle. This was awesome. Uh, sounds like Brose wants to say some stuff about this. So he can hear him coming already. Dude, sorry, yeah, I had to change my pants really quick. This match was insane. And, like, some people might look at it like, oh, it was just a spot fest, but I was this, this, into that, and this, into that. Nah, dude, there was, as much as there was a lot of, like, crazy spots, there was a lot of, there was a lot of, um, a lot of psychology that went into it, and just, just everyone getting their shit in and just going crazy, dude. It was so good. wrestling, too. So, so good. Great wrestling, insane spots, insane... Just these six dudes are just great at what they do. It's uh, it's it was in it was I, we the entire time we were freaking out. I'm just saying, yeah, yeah. like we the entire screaming. time we were screaming. Just everything. It was it was. I guess it, maybe it was like our atmosphere that also kind of helped with the match too, because it was just it was it was insanity, and I loved every second of it. Yeah, it was every second. Such a fun match to watch. Just incredible. My favorite part of the match was uh was Eric Rowan um, just like they were going back and forth with uh, with Brody King and he just busts out a spin kick and Brody King is no <laughs> short man he's very tall they're very, very 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 similar in size but it was like it was so brutal looking like like hard hitting looking he does a spin kick my man fucking Eric Eric fucking Redbeard does a spin kick a standing spin kick like a roundhouse and then he hits he hits Brody's head and it just goes boom, like thunk. And it was just great. It was, oh my God. I fucking freaked out for that. We were fucking popping for everything and uh, just yelling and screaming, having a good time, laughing. And it was great. It was a fantastic match. And I cannot believe this was on. This is this is the pre show. This Best was free. free. It's a, on yeah. YouTube. You we can saw, still watch it. We saw Don, we saw Don Callis promo. We saw Layla Hirsch and Chris Statlander. We saw. Hook, fucking hook, and this insane match, and it, that was the pre-show. Like, do not look at the AEW pre-shows like you do, like you might WWE pre-shows where they just fucking put the shit on there. Like, this was fucking awesome. This was a can't miss pre-show, straight up. Yeah, there was like all kinds of cool spots in this with different. Um, like there was one spot where like Penta just went off on the whole House of Black. Or it might have just been Buddy and Malachi at that point, and then hit this like insane Canadian destroyer. Uh, there was some cool spots where like I think Pac like just deflected um, the Black Mass, uh, which is uh, Malachi's finisher, into Buddy. Like just all kinds of cool stuff, and then the finish as well when like everyone just goes off on and the House of Black goes off on Ro- um, Eric Redbeard, and uh, then uh, Brody King hits the Gonzo Bomb on him, which just looks really oh. impressive doing it to like oh a my big God. guy like that. The Gonzo Bomb was sick. Oh, my God. What a finish. Oh. Yeah, this was awesome. And that takes us directly into the pay-per-view itself with Chris Jericho versus Eddie Kingston. This is my uh, favorite match of the whole night. Yeah, this is definitely... I mean, this that's what's insane about this pay-per-view is, like, I think, like, probably, like, five to six matches legitimately have a good case to be anyone's favorite match, just depending on your taste. Uh, and this one's definitely up there. This was uh, crazy. Like, this was basically kind of like an old school Japan uh, match, um, in which both of these guys are obviously like kind of well versed in. 
yeah um, as fans or you know to some extent jericho you know worked there in that era too a little bit it's true he uh, did and dude they were just dumping each other on their on each other's heads but what was great about it too is they added a lot of like selling and psychology to it and um god it was it was epic it was epic in every fucking sense eddie kingston is so over he's so popular he's on that cusp of being the next steve austin and like he could do no wrong here he comes out looking serious believable marching into the ring being angry gets in dumps jericho on his head and jericho is selling <laughs> like selling hard mm-hmm. we believed it we thought he broke his neck I thought he was, I thought he was hurt. I genuinely we, thought he was hurt. We all bought it and we were like invested from the beginning and just glued to this match and the crowd was reacting to everything just being loud like very loud pops. I'm pretty sure we could probably pull some fucking um loud pops from this very match and <laughs> use use them as like alert sounds on <laughs> yeah, on our the, Twitch the channel. The monster pops if you will. Yeah, the monster pops. There was, this match was full of monster pops. If you know what if you know if you want to know exactly what a monster pop is, watch this match and you'll get plenty of examples. Oh, but yeah. fuck, fantastic! Eddie Kingston won, and well, yeah. the way he won was really cool too. Yeah. Like uh, they both kind of have like a similar-ish finishing move between like the Judas Effect and the Back Fist. Mm-hmm. Um, the difference is like Judas Effect hits the elbow, Back Fist hits the back of your fist, mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> and uh, he. Uh, Jericho goes for the Judas. Uh, Eddie dodges it and immediately hits two back fists, and then gets him into um, stretch palm. I don't, stretch a stretch palm, palm mm-hmm. submission, and like just it looks painful. And obviously, like they've been working the neck the whole match. I mean, he, Jericho was literally dumped on his neck at the start yeah. of the brilliant psychology here. Yeah, and then Jericho taps out. Yep, and nobody could believe it. We didn't like we couldn't believe it, and it was it wasn't not not, not because it was a bad finish, but it was a really great finish. But he. When Eddie won, like my heart was full. Like it was like seeing somebody that you really cared about fucking win a match. Like just so, like he has that kind of connection with the fans. He has that kind of connection with with us, or at least me. And he looked. He, he didn't even like get excited. He was like he couldn't believe it himself. And he put over. He sold it like Eddie sold it like he he was like what really I won like and it was like the fucking like nicest thing I've ever seen like well, it was I, so I, good yeah, I, I want to push back a little bit he's like I know like we because we talk a little bit about that sometimes where there's like that shock win yeah it wasn't quite like that like he does it in a way that's different because usually some people mm-hmm. do it they're like oh, like you know like gasping like, like, like hands on their yeah. cheeks like just kind of like freaking out like that he didn't do that uh, but then he goes for his promised handshake a little cockily and Jericho refuses and yeah. seems to be going a full heel route. Yeah, that was... Whew, man, this match. This match was worth the price alone. Oh, yeah, the storytelling behind every every little thing that they were doing was it was just so good. And I was genuine... I, I thought that maybe there was like some sort of fuck-up when the way that Eddie reacted to the win. I'm like, did maybe there was like a miscommunication or something. But I guess it was all... That's how it was supposed to be, you know? And he sold it so well on his face, and he... And like, also, one and this is this is a complete like different thing, but uh, Aubrey Edwards was really really good in this match. Like she like the way that she was reacting to um to Jericho and then yeah, when he, like, like shoves her when he shoves her like that was that was a fun little thing. And then she like, shoves him back. Mm-hmm. And then Eddie was like he was selling something and he was just kind of like like 
they, I don't know if it, it almost looked like a hug. Like she was like consoling him, and it was it it was it was a good it was a great match, great storytelling, great yeah. great th- great from everyone in the match, not just not just the two wrestlers, but also Aubrey. So shout out to her, dude. Yeah, there's everything. This match was came together so perfect. One of the things about the way Eddie Kingston reacted to his win, it was like like I guess like I'm gonna try to convey it the best way I can. If you don't watch the match, it he. He reacted as if like he always tries and tries and tries and tries and tries again, but when it actually happens, he he didn't realize. He's like, "Wow, is this this is what I'm capable of? Like I'm actually capable of this? Like beating a big star, winning a big match? Because they haven't had him win anything ever. Like he hasn't won a big match ever, and uh, this was like the first big win for him, like big big win in AEW for him. And they that was by design. They in that's cool like it's it was it was like a lesson in believing in yourself like you don't know until you try and you fucking try your hardest and then if you fail you keep fucking trying and then eddie finally succeeded and he it, you you could read that on his face no words were spoken you can read it on his face everything he did you could read on his face this, this is the pro wrestling magic that we talk about this is this is the fucking art of pro wrestling it was fucking amazing and my heart was full like watching it like happy for him you know, he's playing this character and I'm fucking like legitimately happy for this dude because there's a lot of sincerity in it because if he's been around for so long and he never did, a lot of the stuff is real. People didn't like him. He's kind of fat. He's weird looking. Um, and he's like we said last week, he's not pretty and not rich and he had to work his ass off for it. And you see that like that's the that's the fucking genuine sincerity that comes through in pro wrestling. And it was fucking Damn, God, dude, this match. I can't say enough good things about this match. Five stars for me. All right, so that takes us to our next match. Uh, Jurassic Express versus the Young Bucks and Red Dragon. Uh, this was also really, really good. Um, it starts off with um, the Bucks and Red Dragon are like kind of, you know, basically teaming up on Jungle Boy and Luchasaurus. Uh, this was... Uh, because you know, kind of playing into that whole feud until they start trying to actually you know win the match and pin because if whoever gets the first pinfall wins, so they start interrupting each other and they start fighting. Uh, there's this one spot where uh, the Bucks basically murder Luchasaurus. They knocked him off on the outside, and he just looked he, the way he crashed down just looked absolutely brutal. Uh, then Red Dragon jumped in, and they just started like stomping the heck out of each other. Uh, this was the first match uh, that uh, I started writing down some of. JR's classic commentary lines. Uh, I can't remember what Kyle O'Reilly was doing, but at one point JR said, Oh, oh, O'Reilly. Oh my uh, God. God damn it. He he was having fun tonight. Uh, He also, there was another one. uh, He said, The Bucks are hotter than hell. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It was just. I said, He was on a roll. Uh, This match was. Uh, there's like all kinds of like just crazy spots all throughout this match. Uh, but we were really surprised when Jurassic Express retained the titles. Yeah, I thought for sure this they were moving towards a uh, Young Bucks versus uh, Red Dragon uh, feud over the title, and they might still be going towards the, for that feud. I mean, I think it's obvious, but I did not think it was going to be like I did not think they were going to leave without the titles. I saw i'll be honest i saw jurassic express i like them they're fine i like jungle boy a lot but i thought i saw them as a transitional champion mm-hmm. and that's not the case here so more power to them uh, i'm stoked to see where this goes 
What'd you think, Brose? Um, yeah, it was it was <laughs> it was it was uh it was better than I expected. I didn't I wasn't sure what I was really expecting, but uh I didn't I wasn't expecting uh, Jungle Boy and uh Luchasaurus to win that. Um also Bobby Fish is just loud as shit. <laughs> Do you He's like so them? loud. Do you like hearing Bobby Fish or do you hate hearing Bobby Fish? I don't I don't know yet. I really I'm not sure. <laughs> <laughs> Cuz it's just like whenever there's something going on I'm just like, "Oh, there's there's Bobby. There's Bobby. You guys hear him? There he is." <laughs> and uh yeah, it was uh it was a great match though. Nothing nothing wrong with it. Nothing wrong with it. I I didn't have any nitpicks, nothing. I think uh I I'm wondering if um yeah, I, 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 it, it's weird. I don't know if it's like fucking straight up science with fucking Bobby Fish's voice or if his voice is just happens to be like the perfect octave or fucking something right. like that just like cuts through all the noise or something. Like there's some kind of science behind it or some shit. I don't know, <laughs> but you're right. He, we can hear him loud and clear every time. It's funny. <laughs> I mean, at least he's not like, you know, calling an audible in the match and you can yeah, hear no. it. Like it's just him, you know, reacting. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Uh, what do we got next here? The Face of the Revolution ladder match. Uh, one thing that I noticed uh, that I thought was cool was as like all six guys came down, uh, they had graphics that sh- that said like who they beat to get there. Mm-hmm. I thought that was kind oh, of like, a awesome. little detail. That's yeah. cool. I didn't notice that. All yeah, right. so then uh, very quickly the three smaller guys, Orange Cassidy, Ricky Starks, and Christian Cage get knocked out of the ring and you're left with Wardlow, Hobbs, and Keith Lee just staring each other down. Then Orange gets back in. Well, I guess the way he was already outside the ring because when he came in, he just rolled through the ring all the way to the other side. Uh, but, when he, <laughs> <laughs> but when he faces off with them, he just does his kicks and gets destroyed. Um, there was one spot with him as well that I thought was kind of funny when he tried to climb the ladder with his hands in his pockets. Uh, that, that looked kind of like it could have been potentially dangerous. Uh, I've never climbed a ladder without my hands. I like the uh, spot when he did the uh, the chin up over. Like it was cool. I I love that he he was like looking for every simple way to grab the uh, the ring without doing any moves to anybody. I think that's kind of like fits his gimmick that he just wants to get out of there because he's his character is lazy. Yeah. So like every opportunity he got, he went for the freaking thing that instead of hitting somebody off of him or something like that, I thought that was good. It was real good. Yeah, I think he actually had some of my like my favorite spots in the match overall. Like there's the spot where he does like the helicopter with the ladder and is like just taking everyone out until like Wardlow and uh Leech grab it. And then yeah. he like slips through it and you know tries to grab it from the top there and they yeah. just like shift it so he lands on his nuts. Yeah. Um, <laughs> that was funny. Um he also does like he took some crazy bumps too. Um, him and Starks both took some really insane ones. Uh, you also had a couple other fun commentary lines. Jazz said that Keith Lee looks like a refrigerator with a head on it. <laughs> uh, Jr. <laughs> because uh, DraftKings was clearly a major sponsor of the show based on all their spots on the <laughs> on the different uh, the uh, the canvases on the barricades. And Jr. said, "I love DraftKings." <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> god. Orange Cassidy took the sickest bump of the night for sure. He got was it a Beal? What what did he take? It was like a yeah, Be- yeah it was a Beal from Keith Lee, and he and he threw- went he ended up going over Christian Starks yeah. who were clearly supposed to catch so him. So they were yeah so oh, yeah, yeah so the guys that were supposed to catch him or that he was supposed to land on were standing pretty far away. Yeah, but Keith threw him so hard he went way past them and took the 
full brunt of the throw right on his back. Like a brutal bump. Yeah, it was awesome. <laughs> it was really cool. Oh, and actually it was right after that. There was another JR line. Every step they take, every move they make. Oh, no. And that was referring, I think, to uh, Hobbs and Wardlow when they were up at the top. They split the ladder in half like a wishbone, which oh, was a pretty cool so- visual. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Because these two monsters fucking grabbing the, the, the ladder at the same time, and they rip the freaking ladder in half. Insane. And then so they get into good. it with Lee. Uh, Wardlow shoves both of them off the stage. Uh, like, they're both by commentary, and they sho- he shoves both of them off the stage. Uh, Ricky Starks is climbing the ladder, and uh, he gets cursed by Danhausen first. He has to make his, you know, contractually required cameo. And then uh, what was cool was the way they had, like, a ladder bridge on top, like, with the ladder, and Wardlow jumped on top of it and got Ricky and powerbombed him onto it. That looked really brutal, but apparently oh, yeah. he's okay. That was scary, dude. I I don't know the mm-hmm. way that the way that his head it looked like his head hit. Oh yeah. It, it might did. not have. Well, when when Ricky Starks went down, he had actually had his hands behind his head to protect himself. So I, he definitely protected himself. I think he was yeah. okay. But it did look brutal. If he didn't protect himself, he might have like fucking got his head busted open. Yeah, apparently yeah. he's okay. Uh, Orange Cassidy, apparently his shoulder was hurt. I don't know if it was off the Beal or something else. Though. There's no way it wasn't the Beal. There's just no fucking yeah. way. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, but anyways, uh, Wardlow grabs the ring after powerbombing Starks, and he is now the uh, face of the revolution and will be f- challenging the winner of Scorpio Sky or Sammy Guevara. Yeah, he sees he has the success, and you know we'll see how that plays in with his relationship with MJF. Oh. Yep. Uh, <laughs> then we have uh, Tony Schiavone comes out for a cr- contract signing with Swerve Strickland. Um, the what was he called in NXT? Isaiah Swerve Scott. Yeah. 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 His uh, his name is Shane uh, Strickland. But yeah, he's uh, he's here. I mean, he's fine. He's good. Uh, I didn't really care for the stuff they did with him in WWE. So it sounded like a lot of people did. He was pretty over. When he did the Swerve's house thing, and people were like, or people, he was like, whose house? And they were like, Swerve's house. Like, people were into that. He's not a bad wrestler. I think he's very good, but um, I don't know. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. We'll see. It didn't, like, I, I don't know why I wasn't super excited about it, but I just wasn't. Yeah. Uh, next up, we had uh, a match that was honestly way better than it had any business being, considering what we've already said about the build and everything, but we had Ty Conti versus Jade Cargill for the TBS championship. Uh, Jade was wearing a cosplay of Mortal Kombat's Jade. Uh, it was not badass. Video game reference, but it looked good. Um, Real good. We get some uh, sexual assault, I guess, <laughs> in the match. Um, Jade kisses Ty Conti on the lips. Uh, Ty later does the same thing, but it was kind of weird. Uh, but it, you know, got both competitors to you know fire up against them after that just forcing kisses on each other yeah so weird. it was, a little, it was, it really was weird. pretty weird <laughs> um uh but these two actually i thought they worked pretty good together um eventually uh both their uh managers get taken out ty takes out smart mark sterling jade just kicks anna into the timekeeper table looked brutal oh yeah i don't know if like she kicked her too hard or if if uh Anna Jay went for the bump and she didn't realize the table was so close to her because she went hit she went full force into the table, like right into her ribs. I wouldn't be surprised if something hurt her ribs, like if she's like they broke or cracked or something. 
I would not be surprised. I mean, she got up for the and you know for a couple other spots. Yeah, so. she can, you can get up and keep working if your ribs are broken. There's not much that somebody can do for your ribs, to be honest. And um, yeah, I, I could see her still doing whatever she had to do with a like a busted rib, but it looked bad. Yep, and then uh, yeah, a few more spots and whatnot. Uh, as I, said, I thought it was pretty good. They they did some good like hard hitting strikes and stuff like that. Good pump kicks, things like that. And then Jade hits her finisher and retains the title. What did you think about this, Mister Brose? Uh, yeah, it was it was it was fine. It wasn't it wasn't like the the highlight of the night, obviously, especially with the the match that followed it. Um. It was, it was, yeah, it was just fine. The, the whole, I don't know, I, I wasn't a huge fan of the whole entire feud, really. It was just weird, weird brawl after weird brawl, and yeah, it was, it was, all, right. It was all right. It was, it was a solid match. They, they, they did some moves to each other. <laughs> um, yeah, it was, it was fine. It was, it was, it wasn't nothing, nothing, nothing special. I was dreading this match. Uh, I thought it was going to be the drizzling shits, but it turned out fine. It was an okay match. And thank heavens, because it really would have drugged down this amazing show so far if it wasn't. So, would you need? You, I think we needed a match like this between, you know, certain so, matches yeah. on the show. Yeah. So far, the matches have just been at fever pitch, and we needed a fucking break. <laughs> and so. speaking of fever pitch, <laughs> CM Punk versus MJF dog collar match. Oof. And MJF comes in, starts with cult of personalities. Everyone thinks it's punk, big pop. Then it cuts to his music. He comes out laughing. Everyone boos. Uh, then CM Punk comes out to his old AFI Ring of Honor entrance. Yeah, this was epic. And being somebody that loved Ring of Honor in those days and watching CM Punk and being a fan and then being straight edge myself, um, not because of CM Punk, but just straight edge and... This was bad. This was, oh my God, this fucking hit the nostalgia. <laughs> this like the goosebumps, everything. Like I was just thinking about those times when this song would play in Ring of Honor and people, Ring of Honor used to have these, uh, these metal like sheets with their logo on it all around the ring on the, the on the barricades and on the steel barricades. So people would use them to like make noise when they, when something exciting was happening. So like when, especially when like a big climax of a match or something happened or something that they're excited about, they'll fucking slap the, uh, they'll slap these um, steel plate things. And when CM Punk would come out, they would fucking hit it to the tune of the song. And I just had really great memories of this. He comes out and he's wearing his old school looking jacket. He used to wear the little track jacket with the white on it. And then on the back, he had the triple X's, which is a, uh, a symbol of straight edge. And he had the X's on his shorts, and this was just fucking incredible. I, holy fuck! If you hated this, you're just really not a wrestling fan at all. I don't know what to say. Like, how could you not like this? I think you could kind of tell that like there was like clearly the old school ROH fans in the crowd who reacted big for this, and other people I think were kind of confused because they just weren't familiar with that history. But I think you'll definitely see people kind of like, especially as presumably that ROH library is going to become more and more accessible uh, under new management and whatnot. I think that there's going to be a more appreciation for this, and this is going to be like a good moment of discovery for that. Uh, but the match itself was awesome. There was a couple uh, awkward things because, you know, when you have it and when you introduce a chain, uh, sometimes weird shit happens and 
it's you know on the wrong side you know one person's on the wrong side of the rope with the way the chain is and there's mm-hmm. a few awkward spots with that but overall this is really good um brutal match punk gets bloody really early uh mjf gets a little bloody later on uh this was just really fun overall that briefly when mjf gets a little bit of uh, a little bit ahead of punk he cuts a promo on him he gets a mic uh tells him that he's gonna quit just like he quit on him and tells him to and then punk tells him to eat shit in defiance uh what else was there there was <laughs> There was this guy in the crowd that I started noticing in this match that would like just yell out really loudly, and he at one point told MJF to eat shit, pussy. Yeah, um, <laughs> <laughs> it was just a really weird like spot. Um, the main thing, the the story of this match was like MJF was like kind of working the hand after Punk like just really like started like crushing it with the chains and stuff like that, and Punk's knee similarly got uh, messed up, which led you know to the we've already seen it before a few times where you can't pull off the GTS uh, because his knees hurt and he can't like hold them up. Mm-hmm. Uh, but eventually uh, the, the main, you know, climax of this match is uh, MJF superplexes punk into some tacks that he had introduced earlier. Uh, they only partially get him. He doesn't go all the way. Um, I think Joey said that was probably because they went from the second rope instead of the top. Uh, and then MJF starts shouting out for Wardlow. Uh, Wardlow comes out in a suit. I guess he, you know, got all dressed up after his previous match and checks every pocket, and he can't seem to find the dynamite diamond ring. And MJF, you know, distracted by this, gets grabbed by Punk. Punk GTSs him into the tax. You get a hilarious-looking bump from that. <laughs> and then Wardlow does finally find the ring, puts it on the apron. Punk takes it, picks MJF up, you know, flips him off, and MJF spits on him, the only thing you can do now, and Punk just decks him with the ring and wins. I think this was, like, a great way to... to I, the the turn of Wardlow, you know, um, he's always been, like, kind of, you know, a baby face, but, like, not, because he's surrounded by assholes. Um, so, I think him giving the ring to Punk... Well, didn't give it to him, just set it on the on the on the apron and yeah, just like, do with it what you will. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And it was it was just like uh what's his name? It was just like MJF just getting everything that was coming to him and just it was great. And I, I think what kind of really also helped this match a lot was the crowd. They were eating it up, they were loud, they were chanting each shit. They were just it was the crowd was great and it helped the match so much too. Um also I I just love blood and wrestling, dude. Yeah. I love blood and wrestling. It helps it, it, the storytelling aspect of everything. It's just it's amazing. It was a great this was great a visuals. Match. Like the the entire mat was just stained and yeah, it was it was phenomenal, phenomenal. Yeah, I I, th- I love this match. It was very much a great payoff for everything that we've been seeing. I definitely think it's going to keep going. Um. It's, I would hope so, actually, but I guess you never know. It seems did did do like the title thing, so it seems like he's gonna go for Hangman soon. Yeah, one thing that they that they do a good job of is uh, giving MJF uh, a fucking heel excuse of why he didn't really lose a match, and they kind of did that here with uh, 
CM Punk has been critical, like in the in the in promos and things like that, in the story that MJF needs the ring to win and uh, needs Wardlow and needs uh, everybody else. Like Wardlow wins all his matches. Wardlow, you use the ring to win the matches. Well, I mean, CM Punk won a match by using the ring that was given to him by Wardlow. So he kind of did the same thing. And I can see MJF running with that, calling him a hypocrite. Um, they they do a good job of giving him all these excuses. And that's I think that's, that's where they're going to go with that. He, he, that's going to be his excuse that CM Punk did that. I think that would make a good reason for another match. Um, well, I think you're also going to get, you know, Pinnacle versus Wardlow too. I mean, I think there's, yeah. there's no chance that they don't like screw him over in his title match. Right. That's true. I would, I would like, I mean, I know that like you would want, you kind of like would want to see MJF feud with world Wardlow out of this, but I think that it would make a lot of sense for somebody within Pinnacle to feud with Wardlow um, well, he's got to go through the whole ro- the whole group, right? He's yeah, probably but not, start with Spears, but not in the traditional way. So I think that he could actually like feud with. This is going to sound really weird, and 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 I don't know how to make it make sense exactly or like to convey it. But I think it would make more sense for Wardlow to feud with Sean Spears, and maybe Sean Spears not be such a joke anymore, but mm. and not necessarily go right after MJF. I think that they could draw that out a lot more. Like I don't think it should. Well, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, it's like you know, you kind of start with yeah. spears and then. Yeah, yeah, maybe. Yeah, okay. I see what you're saying. I thought you meant like how they do in some faction warfare where they he beats a different guy every week and he just runs through them. But no, I mean like a fucking feud between him and him and uh, Sean Spears. Uh, I mean, we did see Spears get squashed. Uh, yeah, that's, <laughs> so what, that's what I'm saying. Know. That's what I'm saying. That's that's what I'm saying. Like it's it, it sounds weird, but I I think that you could. I think there's something there. And I think it'd be cool to see something like that. Um, and I honestly think that they might do it. Uh, this uh, this was, you know, like I said, this was great. I, I, I'm excited to see where they're going with this. And I love that they gave um, MJF something to bitch about. And uh, man, there's so many possibilities here. And even if CM Punk does go for the, for the title, um, you know, there's still room for this. So, yeah. Uh, next up, we had the uh, Women's World Championship match, Thunder Rosa versus Britt Baker. Uh, these poor ladies uh, had the unenviable position of having to follow up that match. Uh, you could tell that the crowd was still, you know, interested and a little invested, but they're just exhausted from, you know, the banger that was the previous match. Uh Notably, there's a new Women's World Championship belt. Uh, they kind of updated this a little unceremoniously this time. I'm not really sure why. Uh, but it looks nice. looks good. Nice and shiny. Yeah, it's gorgeous. They This this match was great. Like It was a great match. But like you said, it, they had to follow they had the placement on the card. They had to follow this hot, red hot feud. And uh, it was everybody was kind of worn out. And yeah, they were screaming. Yeah, they were screaming and yelling. And you do need the peaks and valleys, uh, so your most important matches will get good reactions and things like that. And I feel like this is one of their good matches. Their good matches. I just, I, I really disagree with the placement on it. Maybe they, if they swapped this match in the in the um, Jade Cargill match, like it would be, it would make more sense because um, when you have a when you have a match that needs to follow something like that, you need something that isn't paying close attention to wrestling and 
in a Jade Cargill match, you're mostly paying attention to Jade Cargill because if she's a star, she's kind of a star. And uh, her personality is her highlight of, of a match like that. So you want to watch Jade Cargill, not a super deep wrestling match. And that's what Britt Baker and Thunder Rosa had. And it was very good. It was awesome. They have, they have like incredible chemistry. Their rivalry is amazing. They have a storied rivalry. And it should have been on a better placement on the card, straight up. I I feel bad for them. Match on the was- bright side, at least, this match did seem to be building towards the rematch in Rose's hometown, which oh, will yeah. probably get a lot more heat, especially if they put it on it like the main event. Um, the big story of this match is that Rosa actually beats Britt a couple times, but Rebel was distracting the ref. Uh, she gets a pin off of, I believe, a pile driver. But the ref's distracted and doesn't count it. Uh, she also gets uh, Brit in a, I believe, a straitjacket submission. Mm-hmm. She taps. Ref's distracted. Uh, so eventually Rose just, you know, takes out the distractions, right? She spears Rebel uh, to the floor. It was a really cool-looking spot. Really sick bump. Uh, and Lariat's uh, Jamie Hader on the outside. But right as she gets back in, Brit curb stomps her and retains the title. What do you think, Brose? Just like just like you said, Joey, it was just in a it was in a really bad spot. It was just um, there was there was some great wrestling, but I think if it probably if it did get swapped with the Jade Cargo match, it probably would have been uh, looked to more uh, positively. I guess I don't I don't think there's any many negatives about the match. Um, I thought I honestly thought at a couple points that Thunder Rosa was going to win it, but you know, the you have outside interference and everything i i, I was ex- also expecting a mercedes mercedes uh mercedes a mercedes run-in um but that didn't happen which is which is cool because you know thunder rose is the baby face she's valiant she has valiant efforts and uh yeah it, it was it was a it was a solid match but the just it was just where it was positioned on the card that really really uh ate into it a lot yep so looking forward to their next match hopefully it'll have a better spot on the card and it's definitely it's in Thunder Rosa's hometown, so it should be pretty exciting. Uh, this next match still had uh, a little bit of that sort of lax in the heat, but I think the crowd they they definitely won them over by near the end. And this one was pretty awesome too. Was John Moxley versus Brian Danielson? Uh, commentary points out this is the first singles match they've actually had since 2013. The crowd immediately starts chanting, "We want violence." Seems appropriate. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's exactly what we get. There's um, early on, uh, Brian Danielson does this uh, front chancery to Mo- uh, Moxley, and he just kind of goes through the ropes, and they just both fall. It looked really like just raw and natural. Um, it looked really nasty to take it too. Uh, and these men just like beat the shit out of each other, um, mostly to safe spots, but like they slap each other, they kick each other, all kinds of stuff. Um, Mox gets busted open. Uh, Brian uh, Danielson also gets busted open a bit. Uh, not as much as Mox, but they were both bleeding for most of this match. Uh, then we had uh, the finish, which was actually really cool. Um, they had been exchanging a lot of different submission holds. But uh, the way it ends is uh, Danielson has... Uh, moxley in the triangle choke which is how he's kind of ended a few matches where he's you know punching them up and then it's while he's applying this hold and mox somehow flips it over to pin brian danielson and 
the way Daniels react to this, because you'll often get, like, when you get, like, these types of screwy finishes with, like, a roll-up or whatever, the person who was on the receiving end of it has, like, a really, like, shocked reaction. And, like, he's clearly surprised and shocked, too, but he just gets mad. He starts, like, punching Bryce and just goes right back at Moxley, like, starts beating him up again until security comes out, followed by William Regal. Mm-hmm. It was huge. We, fucking... we shrieked. We, we literally did. shrieked. Yeah, big <laughs> pop for Regal. Uh, he gets in the ring, try, talks to both guys, slaps them, and then tells them to shake their hands, uh, shake hands together, and they do, and it seems like this could be, uh, they might actually be forming their faction, possibly with William Regal. Yeah, insane. There's so much history with all three of them. Mm-hmm. So, like, it, it's beckoning back to, you know, the FCW days with, with Moxley and then, you know, Regal training, well, mostly training uh, uh, Brian Danielson. And, dude, this match was violent. It was bloody. It was, it was, there was great wrestling. And just the, the mm, cherry on the top was, was the end of it. Just cherry on the top with Regal yeah. coming out and just, oh. Yeah, he was this, this was a great night for wrestling, dude. It was, it so, really good. was. so good. If you're a smart wrestling fan, you were excited about seeing Re- William Regal in this company. Oh, yeah. And you love William Regal if you're if you're a fucking smart pro wrestling fan. Yeah, and, and Danielson, you know, he 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 was uh or he mentored both of these men. Um Danielson obviously trained at Shawn Michaels school, but uh, he gives William Regal a lot of credit. That's why what that's why Danielson wears the maroon. He wears the maroon because of Steve is for uh because of William Regal. And um yeah, this is this was just awesome. He came out like a fucking pro wrestling dad. And <laughs> yeah, we were we came unglued. We were going ballistic for this. And uh very exciting. But it also goes to show like no matter that card that that match placement matters cuz this match kind of it was incredible. This match like if I went back and watched this match today, I would probably enjoy it way more than I did. Um, cause it was, there's nothing bad about it. It was great as a great fucking wrestling match, but the, the placement on the card kind of, we weren't as into it and that goes to show it's not Britt Baker and Thunder Rose's fault. It's not Danielson and Moxley's fault. Cause even the best wrestlers that put on the best matches can get affected by match placement, you well, know? And to an extent, like a I mean, match placement's a part of it, but like when you have such a stacked card, there's only so much you can do. True, that too. That's like also this true. card only had one like kind of weak link, and it was still a decent match. But it's yeah. like everything else was awesome, so it's like it's hard to construct a card. You could have probably put that Don Callis promo. I mean, you want you want Don Callis. I mean, I guess you wanted Don Callis to talk run down the card right on the pre-show. That's true. Mm-hmm. But you could have you could have put that Don Callis promo on the uh, or the moment on the the main card between. Uh, the, the CM Punk MJF match and the Thunder Rosa Britt Baker match, and you might have you might have saved it, like maybe or yeah. even or even like the the Swerve contract signing. Yeah, you, you could just relocated that maybe. Yeah, you could have put that somewhere. You just need something to like kind of clear people's palate and stuff like that. And backstage segment, um, a pro just some kind of promo in the ring, something for people to get excited about. Because can you imagine if like. Right after that match, you hear Kenny's music, and they would have had that same reaction right there. They would have been brought right back up, yeah. and then yeah, it it have brought it right back up and been excited for Thunder Rosa and Britt Baker. So, but yeah, this 
the match was great. Uh, this match was great. It, it was. It's. It's. I. I would love to give you guys some negative fucking shit, but this <laughs> show is incredible. The, the wrestling this week was fantastic. We had enough negativity watching SmackDown, dude. Don't worry. Oh, that's yeah. true. We did talk about that. Yeah. <laughs> um. Uh, yeah. So uh, next up, we had the six-man tornado tag match: the uh, Andrade Hardy Family Office versus uh, Darby, Sammy, and Sting. An awesome Darby video package at the start of this. Yeah. Holy fuck. Um, how did they even do that? Like, how do you just... There's no way he... Like, somebody no, had, like, a stuntman. But, like... But how did they fucking throw a car? Like, what the fuck? That was insane. I mean, there's ways to do it. But, yeah, it was definitely, you know, some Hollywood magic there. Um, Holy shit. Darby has... But it did go to film school. He's a film guy. And they he... Uh, uh, from what I understand, he makes all of these videos. And he's the one that did the... That directed the cinematic match um, that they did um, last year. With Team Taz. Mm-hmm. Yeah, with Team Taz last year. And uh, man, that was crazy. Fucking Darby does the does the coffin drop onto a preacher. <laughs> like the, they show. I'll, I'll set the stage for you because I guess I'm talking about shit that you have no idea what I'm talking about. But so they they the the video starts with a funeral for their opponents, and uh, the preacher is like talking and everything, and then. All of a sudden, a fucking car falls out of the sky and crashes into a trailer, and then they clo- do a close up, and and uh, Darby Allen's getting out of the car, and it's playing this cool music, and uh, probably a, probably some ghost main shit or something like that because he's buddies with him or something, and he gets out of the car, and uh, they just like they just interrupt the entire funeral, like fuck this funeral. <laughs> Darby <laughs> Allen does a coffin drop onto the preacher, and. Uh, Sting, Sting comes shows out with up. Flamethrower. Oh, Sting was all, looked cool. He goes run, and then everybody runs away, and he burns the funeral with the flamethrower. <laughs> oh my god! So then they come out, and uh, yeah, they have a really fun match. I, I fucking groan and hate the Hardy shit, the Hardy family office shit. But they did this right. They brawled all over the fucking arena. Uh, they it was fun. They, like it looked like they were going. Like it reminds me of like whenever you have like a group of wrestlers and they go to like a street fight. So they fucking they're like, mm-hmm. oh, this is gonna be different. So they put on their jeans and shit like that, and they go out there and they're just having like a brawl. It reminds me of like a world class brawl or something. And um, yeah, it was awesome. We saw Sting jump from a fucking balcony on through it onto some tables. I thought he yeah. was dead, dude. I oh thought he was dead. Oh my god, it was awesome. Well, the well, the other one too. You had uh, Sammy do a Spanish fly to Isaiah off of oh uh, my one god. of the things they have oh, near the entrance yeah. onto some tables. That looked brutal. Like uh, you also one more Jr. line uh, when uh, on, uh, Darby and Stanger like leveling Jose Andrade's uh, manager, and Jr. said, "Jose, can you see?" Yeah, yeah, so Brose, Brose yeah. loved that, and I, I oh, went on Brose big pop. I went so on the singing different yeah. iterations for it for a couple minutes, and then mm. <laughs> my favorite part of the night, bro, my favorite part. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah, I mean, it was, it was, it was. This was the great. The finish was a little botched. So it starts with uh, like, so Darby does a really cool scorpion death drop to Matt Hardy through a chair, which looked really nice. Uh, but then, like, while Hardy's selling, he goes for the coffin drop and, like, only hits, like, Matt with, like, the back of his head or his elbow. I can't remember what, but he barely hits him. I think that uh, was on that Darby. Was I think he could have taken more yeah. time. But there is something to be said about doing the move a move where your back is to your opponent. You can't see what the fuck you're doing. Mm-hmm. So he couldn't see that Matt Hardy wasn't quite in position. He was still selling a little bit, trying to yeah. give him time. And so Matt Hardy was, like, rolled up. It could have been really bad if he actually landed on Matt Hardy. 
he would have fucking like fucked his shoulder or ribs or something like that. But no, it was uh, I mean, it's fine. Whatever. I mean, the match was like a clusterfuck in a good way, and yeah. that's fine. yeah. The be- like yeah. the it's like a train wreck. You can't stop watching it. You know. Yeah, it was, it was great. Yeah, in a great way, and it was fine. No, honestly, they could have put this on before Thunder Rosa as well, and that would have been good. Or who knows? I don't know. They could. The match placement was weird. Yeah. Uh, and then we have the AEW World Title match: Adam Cole versus Hangman Adam Page. Uh, Adam Cole comes out dressed like Master Chief. Joey was a big fan, big pop. <laughs> oh God! <laughs> uh, and <laughs> Hangman had had some uh, rainbow tassels for. Uh, uh, I think it was kind of in protest of some of the uh, anti-gay policies that have been passed in Florida. Um, the crowd was very much into the fact that both these guys were named Adam. <laughs> yeah, they we were. got. Let's go, Adam. Fight for Adam. Any any chant that you can think of for Adam, there was. Eventually, they did start, you know, having like dueling chants for like Hangman and Adam Cole. But initially, they were very much into the idea that these are both Adams, and Adam's going to win this match. Adam's going to lose this match, and you could say those things and not really be wrong. <laughs> yeah, this was a this was this was good. It was a good match. I wasn't my favorite on the card. I can't stand the fucking super kick spam. Yeah. Uh, I can't stand all the fucking leg slapping shit. I just don't like it. Uh, but it wasn't bad. It was actually excellent. And Hangman's fucking awesome. Good champion. Yeah, great champion. Yeah. I'm. I'm. But I'm very, very excited for him to be moving on to his next challenger. Please get Adam Cole doing something else except for being in the world <laughs> title picture. Please. I mean, I I really liked this. To be honest, like this was uh, at least in a contender for me for be a match of the night. I really liked it. I mean, I, again, I don't mind the super kick stuff as much. But uh, there was a cool throwback to um, Rampage the uh, two nights before, actually, where um, because Adam Cole had tied him to the ropes, Hangman took his belt off and tied Cole to the rope and just starts hitting some super kicks of his own. Uh, no thigh slapping, so, you know, Joey got a little hard for that. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> It just looks. It and, looks better. It looks more realistic. Like yeah. that's not what they're going for. Yeah. The pop doesn't mean. When have you ever like done something where it makes a pop like that when you hit somebody? It's stupid. Or if you hit somebody or you hit something like that doesn't happen. Those pops are stupid. And like, and it's even more stupid when you <laughs> see the guy like bring his arm way up into the air and fucking smacking his leg. And even some wrestlers that I love do that, and I hate it. But I, I've heard that like Shibata when he trains his wrestlers. In New Japan, he fucking will fucking be so pissed if you do that shit. He does not let people do that shit, <laughs> which is awesome. So anybody that fucking gets trained by Shibata, fucking, I get excited about. So, uh, and then uh, after the super kicks and whatnot from Hangman, he unravels Adam Cole, hits him with his own finisher move, and then the buckshot and wins. Uh, the crowd actually started to boo him a little bit there. Um, I guess it was, you know, definitely a little heelish, right? Yeah, they did like it's kind of like like a, like a. It's also Cole's hometown. Yeah, so, you know, when he, when he feels like he has no other options, like you pull out some of the dirty stuff. Like I've seen like Tanahashi do it in Japan. Even like the slightest thing that seems unsportsmanlike, even if it's not like blatantly, like they'll catch on to it and you'll hear some boos. Like I've seen like stuff where like Tanahashi will stomp somebody's like ankle or stops like just do something really subtle and then people will shower booze on tanahashi because they don't want to see their hero do these kinds of things Mm -hmm. so this is like totally a tanahashi kind of thing and uh i thought that was really good just um just ready for him to move on i think the the finish uh just like 
like talking about the finish again, it really it it almost put over uh, Adam Cole as like this huge threat that like Paige had to go through all these all these moves, had to use his own moves against him. He had to you know put him through a table in order to beat him, and um, maybe it was overkill, maybe like a little bit, but I think it really it it's it put over Cole more than people think. I personally I think. Um, I, I see it. I feel yeah, because it, it. it was just hard to he was hard to kill. You know what I'm saying? Like <laughs> hard to kill. <laughs> um, There's a show we won't be talking about. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so that was that's uh, that was the AW pay per view. Fucking worth the price. Awesome. Watch it if you can, and tell us what you think. And speaking yeah. of what you think. Uh, we have some listener questions. I love this part. This is one of my favorite parts. And we have a, a few listener questions waiting for us. We got one while we were recording, too, I think. Yes, I believe Yeah, it looks we like did. we did. Yep. From, uh, so I guess we'll start there. From our good friend of the show, uh, Mr. Davey. Where did it go? Fuck. I have it. Uh, okay. Dudes. <laughs> which WrestleMania weekend show are you most excited for, and which do you think will have the biggest impact on the wrestling scene? Excellent question. Whew. I it, go ahead. Go. Ahead. I'll let you guys go you, first. You know what I'm. You know what I'm really excited for. Don't say WrestleMania. I'm excited for eight hours of WrestleMania. <laughs> oh shit! <laughs> we're gonna watch. I'm so sorry. We're gonna end up watching so much wrestling that weekend. I know. Holy I know. shit! We got to be on our shit because I'll be at the, I'll be at some of these lives. So y'all are gonna have to watch on your own. I'm, I'm excited for Jay White and and Mike Bailey. That's what I'm excited for. On the that, New Japan show. Yeah. Cool. yeah, yeah, yeah. I want to see that match. Um. That and uh, you know what? Now that now that uh, AEW owns Ring of Honor, I I think uh, Supercard Honor is going to be crazy. There's going to be some surprises, most definitely. Yeah, um, that's my that's my pick. Me, me yeah, too, me too. Because I'm really expecting FTR Briscoes, and I think that's just going to be the shit. Oh shit! Oh, and we we watched the Briscoes promos on oh, on uh, Twitter, yeah. <laughs> where they're just calling them out and. <laughs> Dude, that might be a thing. I love those promos. Those promos. They've been just, calling them out for like a year, though. That's true. Yeah. They call them out all the time, and they go back and forth with each other. But the thing is, is Briscoes have a mystery opponent set for Supercard of Honor, and that has to be it, right? Yeah. That just there's no other choice. Like, is what? Who's it gonna be? Like fucking the wingman. Like, I, I mean, it could be Kings of Wrestling. I mean, it could be them. It could be, you know, Chris Hero and. Uh, Cesaro, Claudio. yeah, Claudio. Oh, yeah, true. Um, yeah, I think that one's gonna have like the biggest impact on the scene going forward too, because it'll give you a bit of a taste of like what Ring of Honor is gonna be like going forward and whatnot. So I think that's probably just the one that would also have the biggest impact too. Yeah, I'm also really looking forward to the GCW shows. Uh, Joey Janelle's Spring Break. GCW is kind of the as far as like the, it's really hard to say what's going to have the most impact on the on the business because GCW is just the cool place to be right now. Like it's just it's the cool promotion to watch. They've got so many shows happening that weekend, and um, something is bound to just blow everybody away there. I think that's going to be the place to be. Those are going to be the can't miss shows. Uh, Supercard of Honor mainly because um, the implications of them being owned by. 
uh, Tony Khan now. So I guess I would have to say the Ring of Honor show is probably going to be going to be the one that had the biggest impact on the wrestling scene. But GCW is you're gonna be personally reg- looking yeah. most forward to GCW. I'm not personally looking forward. I'm, I'm looking forward to both, but um, I I think that we're I I just think that there's something there's going to be something special at, at GCW probably most likely at Janelle's spring break. So, and I'll be there live. I'm excited. Yeah. I'm very excited. I love WrestleMania weekend is a great weekend for wrestling. I wish we keep could still see a TikTok. Yeah. Keep your eyes on the TikTok, Instagram, Twitter, all that stuff. I'm going to be posting some shit. So what about, yeah. what about you? Cause what do you think has got the biggest impact? Well, I said, already. I think the super card is going to have the biggest impact for sure. Um, it's probably the one I'm most interested in as well. I think, um, I don't know what to expect from the GCW shows, like unless they get like some. I mean, I, I don't know. I think it's like one thing that I actually like about them is like sometimes I just don't know what to expect. So like sometimes you find you know like a uh, Doctor Wagner Junior. and it's like oh this guy's actually really cool. Mm-hmm. Um, so that you know we'll see. I don't as far as like impact, it's definitely not going to have like a huge impact. I don't think, but we'll see. We will see. Yeah. So definitely, Supercard of Honor is going to have the biggest impact. Definitely looking, probably looking forward to that the most. Honestly, I'm excited. Mm-hmm. I, the GCW shows are also just so fucking fun. I I, I don't know. It's hard to say. We're, I think we're just. It's. Oh, I don't know. I don't know. I'm excited. I'm just excited about all of it. I don't know what to say. <laughs> <laughs> right. Like a kid in a candy store, dude. Straight up. All right. What's our next question? Um. So I have from Comrade Bard. Uh, this is more for you guys because I haven't played this game yet. Which character <laughs> or creature from Elden Ring would you most like to see in the ring? <laughs> okay <laughs> all right okay um all right fun question shit the god that game is so good game of the decade straight up um fuck which character honestly do you know what i'd like to see is like if you're gonna have like like a, a job group of jobbers right have them dress like those dudes that look like burger king the Burger Kings, yeah. <laughs> just the see, Burger just Kings. see them get like demolished. I think that'd be great. Oh my god! There's these, there's these uh, sorcerers in the game, and they have these heads that look exactly like the, like, like identical to the Burger King mascot. From, I don't know if he's still the Burger King mascot, but from the couple yeah, of years is. ago, he's like really creepy. Yeah, it the Burger King mascot guys. Hell yeah, dude. Um. Yeah, I can't. I don't know if I, I don't know if, I mean my, I'd love to see my character in the ring. I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, I mean they're all monsters mostly, right? There's those like yeah. dudes that look like little aliens. And uh, oh yeah, oh my god, those things are fucking crazy. They do cartwheels and stuff like that. I'd like mm-hmm. to see them in a fucking ring. Uh, as far as like bosses, like the I can't remember who it is, but the, the guy with like the dragon head on on his arm. Oh yeah, he like rips off the fucking dragon yeah. head and puts the grafts it onto his arm, and the dragon comes alive. Oh, there yeah, go. there you go. Yeah, you have yeah, just fucking burn people in the match. Yeah, I feel I feel like you know as far as like you know who these people could wrestle. I feel like you know Darby's like just a good you know ragdoll to just <laughs> go up against these like boss characters, right? <laughs> yeah, I can see that. That's fun. Cute, cute, cute question. Do we have any more questions? Yes. Uh, Ex Dude asks more on the comedy side. More of a flop. Titus falling under the ring or the Shockmaster debut. <laughs> um, the Shockmaster is iconic. Yeah, I was gonna say that too. And Titus O'Neil is really fucking funny too. 
but that dude could have died. <laughs> like, it's funny because like the way they, and I don't know how they managed, but like the way they had captured it and like instantly started putting replays out, I thought it was scripted. Oh, there's no chance it was scripted. I mean, it, well, I know it wasn't, but like it so, was just like one. Of, like at the time, I was like, you know, like yeah, he's like more of a comedy guy, anyways. So like, did they just make him do this? So no, there's no chance. But there, they, uh, the the thing, the ring has like it's made of like steel, right? It's steel and wood. That's all a ring is, really. And there's there's these bars. They're like square bars, and uh just pure steel that are all around the ring, right? That's the support. It's how it stands up and stuff like that. He, um, when he fell, uh, okay, sorry. There's steel bars, but then they have like a, like a bar underneath them. So it creates this thing. That's how they, they tie the canvas on. Like there's like rope and it ties the canvas and you wrap it around the steel bars and then you tie the canvas, right? So when he fell, if you go back and look, he narrowly misses that bar and at the speed that he was moving and knowing what those fucking steel bars mm-hmm. are like Titus nearly died like I'm not yeah. like not no exaggeration he almost died like it was yeah. funny and everything but like yeah he we might be fucking talking about something completely different if he fell a little bit later you know so I'm glad he's yeah. good. I'm glad he's okay. But holy shit, that was wild. I think Yoshihashi <laughs> did the exact same botch. Oh my god. Did he really? Yeah, I think he did. Like not even that long later. <laughs> like he ended up doing it in New Japan. <laughs> and they didn't get it on the camera very well though. What do y'all think is a better botch? Well, I, I think mean, sh- I, sorry. You go ahead, Brose. I, I think the uh the Shockmaster is just more iconic. Dude, they made like a they made a whole like toy for him dude like <laughs> that's true they did it's whenever someone brings up botches he's bought he's brought up it's just it, it's funny um well, it it also just has like that aspect to it where it's just like what were they thinking in the first place right like he comes up yeah. with like, a glittery stormtrooper helmet yeah what like, the it's, fuck? Just a, it's such a weird look i love how you can hear like you can hear um british bulldog in the background going like oh he fell on his ass he fell on his ass <laughs> and fucking laughing his ass off and <laughs> You can straight up hear it through the feed. Oh man, that's a classic. And somehow Sid held it together. <laughs> I don't think he like has the mental capacity to understand what okay. what like things that are funny. <laughs> oh, no. Like he's like <laughs> he like just doesn't like get stuff. Like you tell him a joke and he just stares at you. He's just the most terrifying person ever. <laughs> What's that did promo? A, yeah, oh. I was gonna say, did we ever get a affirmative thing on that promo? If it was like an actual it botch ha- or that was what was scripted the thing the thing is is it, it, he has like it's that's the thing he doesn't have like those receptors that like um that are funny it's like, like you think i'm half the man you are but i yeah. have half the brains that you do like, yeah <laughs> it was weird half the brain that you do and he didn't even like bat an eye no like he but like when you see those like you see the fucking shock master thing and he sits there and he's like he he cuts the promo and it just keeps completely serious and stuff oh my god what a weird fucking segment too. They're all standing in a circle, like talking. <laughs> yeah. and so weird. <laughs> but yeah, that's our show for this week. Um, this was a long one, but we did have a lot to cover and in, including the pay-per-view. So we hope you enjoyed it. Thanks for sticking with us. And uh, thank you for all your support so far. For real, keep an, keep an eye out for our social media stuff. Cool stuff coming. 
And uh, you guys, may your lives be filled with monster pops. Later. Bye.